No one ever thought it could happen, but it finally did. We've unearthed the day the clown cried and can release it. Yeah, but it's been sitting around getting mold on the film canister for decades. We have to restore it first. Plus, this thing was Jerry Lewis trying to be serious. Nobody wants to really see that. Well, we have Michael Bay and Mick G with some time on their hands. We'll film new material and put it in the movie. Ugh. This new footage won't match the old. Time for lots of post-production. We should have this thing ready to release in no more than five years. Good news. The movie is finally ready to release. Fifty years after it was started. That means it costs $8 billion adjusting for inflation. No need to worry, people. It's a comedy about the Holocaust that's been in development for decades. Tickets sell themselves! Your backlog, The Final Frontier. These are the voyages of the RPG Backtrack. It's continuing mission to explore games from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. To seek out forgotten games and neglected classics. To boldly discuss what you have not played before. RPG Backtrack, the longest-running podcast about your favorite RPGs of the past. Get ready for in-depth discussion of plots, characters, gameplay, and more from the staff of RPGamer.com. Here are the hosts of RPG Backtrack, Bill Willis and Mike Minky. And that official jingle does mean that RPG Backtrack number 213 is ready to kick off. The boys are back in town. I am... Phil Willis, one of two co-hosts on the show. Mr. Mike Minky is running around somewhere. Hopefully he'll be able to join us in a bit. But I brought a whole bunch of friends who are ready to talk about Final Fantasy XV tonight. First off on the list, I have... I got Mr. Mashina Tarpenter. Yep, I'm going to stand by you, Phil. Oh, I'm so excited! <laughs> I got... Uh, I got Mr. Ryan... Uh, hi. Howdy. I've got Miss Relly Kyan. Uh, having my Gladio pen up above my bed. Mm. Ooh. And I got somebody else. Is there somebody else? Somebody else there? Nope, guess not. All right, so I wasn't sure. <laughs> we have so many people on there. I lost track. I should have kept a list. But yeah, we have come together to talk about Final Fantasy 15. Is it a good game? Is it a bad game? Does it tell a cohesive story? There's so many rumors out there flying about, and I'm hoping you guys can help me make up my mind on this title. 
because I haven't had a chance to play it yet. So I'm dying no, to hear what you yes, guys have to no. say. <laughs> there, okay, we, we're done. We're done. Oh, awesome. All right, wrap it up. RPG backtrack is a production. We're done. We're done. Team, team liked it. Says otherwise. Oh, all right. So it sounds like we're going to have a lively podcast tonight. So I won't put it off for too much longer. Uh, I'm just also before we uh, hit the music, I'm also going to remind everybody to, that we also will have a finally a, a final lap uh, after uh, segment tonight. We won't have a CRPG club or a blast in the recent past because we're going to spend so much time talking about Final Final Fantasy 15. We won't have time for much else. So. Why don't you grab a cup of noodles, go jump in your car, take a long cruise around town as you get ready to listen to us talk about Final Fantasy XV when we come back. This is the main event where we take a game and we tear open the seat cushions to see what fell down below. Today we are talking about Final Fantasy XV. This was developed and published by Square Enix, released on the PlayStation 4, the Xbox One, Microsoft Windows, and coming soon to Google Stadia. Uh, This was originally released on November 29, 2016 for the PS4 and the Xbox One. And it came out on Windows March 6, 2018. This is a single-player action RPG. So, we have a lot to talk about, but I'd like to start off before we normally jump right into the, the story and, and then into the characters. But but I understand this game went through a lot of development problems. I mean, it started in 2006, and it didn't come out yeah. for a decade. Oh, Who can tell me so, about the development hell this game went through? So, the, the last mainline game that we, final fantasy game that i remember you guys talking about was 13 um not counting the, the 500 um episode special withstanding and you guys remember about kind of the hubris that squeenix went through where they wanted fifth, uh 13 to have multiple parts and be part of this huge uh ex- expanded universe with a fabula nova crystallis stuff you guys remember all that oh lord yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah. this no, game no, it wasn't so much. Well, it's not like there were like multiple parts of the same story. It was more like okay, same so we, universe. Yeah, like same more, universe. Like a similar mythology. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, this game got announced along with Final Fantasy Thirteen and was originally called Final Final Fantasy Thirteen Type Zero. Um, you can kind of look up how it was supposed to be like. It was meant to be more of a darker version of Final Fantasy Thirteen, and I think Noctis and some of the other characters were still in it. I think Gladio was still in it, too. Um, I, I To be honest, I wrote that off so quickly that I don't remember a whole lot of information about that spinoff um, other than what was said. And then, uh, you know, we kind of wondered where that game was for the longest time. And then in 2013, uh, what, like nine years later? Yeah. But that, like yeah, that. 
something like that. Um, correct my math in your head and silently yell at me. But um, 2013, they then announced that it versus 13 was going to be called Final Fantasy 15, and they had kind of overhauled the the game itself. Um, at, um, Nomura was the, the original director of uh type not type zero. I'm sorry, versus 13. Um. Tetsuya Nomura was the original director of this game, and then at some point he stepped down so that he could work more on Kingdom Hearts, and then another director stepped in, and I have the Wikipedia article and I'm completely blanking on the guy's name. Tabata? Don't look look at me, because I'm not going to be able to help you out with that name. Yeah, no, no, sorry, somebody was cutting out. Um, But um, Tabata took over and basically kind of redid... I want to say they almost redid the game from scratch. Um, I mean, what it was originally supposed to be, it was vastly different from what we got. And I know that they were trying to make it a little bit more modernized to kind of blend um, blend turn-based action with more action-based game, kind of like what they're doing with the Final Fantasy VII remake. Um, but yeah, they, this game, we, for the longest time, people were like, where's versus 13? And then when, um, they rebranded it, it was, it still took a couple of years to come out. It was, um, it finally came out in 2016. In 2015, they released a demo called Episode Disguy and, um, gathered a lot of feedback from demo and, you know, made, made people kind of figure out what they wanted like I, re- I remember the demo didn't even have like a lock on for the attacks um i remember not liking the demo at the very beginning and was very kind of put off I remember um, a lot of people not liking the demo very yeah much. it just it just felt bad but they i mean credit to square they took a lot of feedback to heart it was supposed to come out in september and then in september 2016 and then they pushed it to november um, they still had to have a day one patch. Uh, yeah, but everything does these days. So. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't mind a day one patch if it, to be honest. And even through all of this, Squeenix, I feel like kind of still didn't learn their lesson because they still tried to make this like an overarching franchise. But we'll get into that later because this is a pretty deep story, even without all of the spinoff stuff. So, story of this game, the backstory is that the the kingdoms of Niflheim and Insomnia have been at war for eons, and the city of Insomnia is protected by a giant crystal that creates a barrier around the city. Um, Before the game starts, uh, Niflheim sends the Chancellor Arden with a peace treaty, and to, you know, do peace between the kingdoms. And one of the terms is that the main character, Prince Noctis Lucius Calum, and the Oracle of the World, Luna Freyla Nox Fleurit, um, are to be wed in a political marriage. Um, that's before the game starts. Uh, in this world, uh, there's also, the knights are also very dangerous because of a plague called the Star Scourge, which, um, creates horrible demons that spread the plague and causes the knights to get longer. Uh, in chapter one, we have King Regis 
and I'm going to butcher all of these names, so I apologize in advance. Well, it's, um, it's, their, it's Square's fault for creating such terrible names. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So in the beginning of the game, you see King Regis Lucius, Regis Lucius Kalen, who is seeing his son Noctis off on the journey to to the town of Altissa for um, his political marriage to Luna Freya. And he, Noctis is joined by his best friend Prompto. His royal guard, Gladiolus, and his caretaker, Ignis. Is he a caretaker or more like a butler? Uh, he certainly had a butler vibe. Say what? No, Ignis. Ignis. Yeah. Okay. Um, and these are your four characters throughout the entire game. I, I You have a couple of guest characters, I think like Kor and um, the Dragoon, but you don't ever switch out these characters. No. Um, and they leave on their royal vehicle, the Regalia, which is your noble steed throughout the entire game. Well, it, they're, I, I, they're going on a boys' road trip. Yeah, yeah, it, it's basically a road trip, and they've got the camping gear. Daddy lets a little prince take the car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got camping gear and fishing, and they, they take photos and stuff like that. And it really sounds like a fun old time until the car breaks down and Gladio was pushing it along the highway and co- complaining and stand by me is playing. <laughs> <laughs> so what an opening. It, yeah. It, it, it actually is kind of a really good opening. And, um, I was kind of surprised that it had stand by me and it, that's a very, uh, American eighties movie kind of song. Yeah. Well, but it's extremely popular in Japan. For yeah. I found that reason. out later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually very fitting. Always. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um. So on getting ahead of myself. Um. You push the car into a service station where you meet this game Sid, a woman named Sydney, and her grandfather's. Uh huh. Um. Oh, people, Sydney. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I wasn't offended so much by her outfit or terrible Southern accent, but that's uh, yeah, point. both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You definitely. So, it's not done by Southern. Yep. So your first your first quest is to repair the car, and once you do, you're off again. So you stop at the um, one of the port towns so that you can take a ferry, and you stay the night, and then find out that overnight Niflheim has attacked Insomnia and caused all the boats at this town to stop. And your group tries to go back to Insomnia to uh, you know fight and save the king, only to find out that um, the king is dead and Niflheim has stolen the crystal. A very very sad part of the game. Um, and then that's when Chapter 2 starts. Um, at that point, the group finds out that the peace talks were just an act to get to the crystal, and that Regis kind of saw this coming and sent Noctis away to help protect him from the invasion. Um, we'll get into it later, but this entire invasion takes place in the movie King's Club. Yeah. Um, that's that's why it seems like there's kind of a chunk missing, and this is why. It, and there, also, there literally is a two-hour chunk missing. Like, yeah. And also why the cutscenes suddenly get really detailed. (laughs) So um, your your crew seeks out the crown's guard, whose name is Corglinius, who tells Noctis that he um, needs to seek out the souls of the past kings so that he can reclaim the throne and receive their royal arms, which is kind of your weapons throughout the game. And then along with that, you get the Ring of the Lukai, which is a major MacGuffin that gives the king his power. you get most of the arms throughout the course of the story, but some of them are optional. But th- th- there's a trophy to get all 13 of them, and it also kind of behooves you to get all 13 of them because um, that's how Noctis kind of gets his powers. 
Um, so then starts chapter three. The group continues their journey where they meet Gladio's sister Iris and they visit the disk of Cothus, which is a huge meteorite that's being held up by the astral god Titan. Um, you find out that Iris had fled insomnia along with the uh, family butler Jared and his son Talcott. Um, those characters kind of become a lighter. Um, the group seeks out another sword and they stop in the town Disquet. And along the way, they meet a homeless person. At least he looks homeless, named Arden. At least to me, he looks like he looked like a bum because I didn't watch Kingsglaive, so I had no idea who he was. And I proceeded to nickname him, uh, oh, what was it? Trash Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, that's a, good, that's a good one. Um, you you originally meet Arden at Golden Key earlier in the game. Oh, that too. I I forgot about yeah, that. He, he tosses kinda, a coin at you very menacingly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've also heard people call him Trash Kenji, but we'll also get into that later. Um, he, and chapter starts out chapter four, and he leads his gang to a meteorite, and um, Noctis and Gladio end up falling into a crater after an earthquake because Niflheim attacked them, and it caused the Titan to enrage and start attacking. Um, that's when Noctis forges a pact with the Titan, allowing him to sum use him as a summon later on, and then Arden reveals himself to be the Chancellor of Niflheim. Which, if you didn't watch Kingsglaive, you wouldn't know that until. And he rescues part the party from the crater, drops them off, and then you find out that the regalia has been carned out. Uh, chapter five starts. Uh, you're stranded, and the Empire set up roadblocks everywhere. And Duske is also in the middle of a storm because um, Rama, the, the god, the thunder god, wants Nock to form a pact with him. Um, at this point, you also meet the astral messenger Jinnit. Gentiana? Gentiana, yeah, that's yeah. better. She, she kind of shows up to give plot details and spooks your selfies later on in the game, which is kind of creepy and also is for a trophy. Um, Prompto even makes cute little comments about it, which is cool. But yeah, she you find out what her deal is later. So um, after you form the pact, the gang break into the Imperial base to get the regalia back. And there they meet the older brother of Winifreya, whose name is Revis Noctfluorit, hates Noctis. Uh, he he thinks that you know, making pacts with the Astrals is wrong and they shouldn't be doing it. And he gets into a fight with Noctis. Um, actually, actually, I think he kind of squares off with Gladio. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember. Like, I just remember that. I can't remember if they developed him more later, but I remember that being like really underdeveloped at the time and like, no. felt like it came out of left field. Yeah. Do oh, not. Yeah. Um, in one of the later chapters that they, uh, redid, they fixed that, but not so much now. Ah, see, that's right. I played this before. You yeah. find a few papers on the ground. I don't remember there ever being any extra development of him, except yeah. him having token, uh, consternation about the Empire. But yeah. you're expecting him to, like, evolve into a proper bad guy with depth or nuance. Doesn't happen. Yeah, that, that's kind of a theme in this game. <laughs> but to get back to the story, they get the car back and then find out that uh, Jared was killed um, by the Niflheim soldiers who were looking, looking for Noct. So after the gang gets the car back, they head to, to the town of Kaim for another boat. And along the way, they decide to destroy a Magitek generator to avenge Jared. And then they are attacked by the Imperial Dragoon named Ariana Highwind. Uh she she kind of toys with them, but then leaves because she said that she doesn't work overtime without pay. 
And then after that, um, Iris and Talcott set up in an old house. I think, I think it's actually an old lighthouse. Yeah, yeah, it was a lighthouse. I remember and that. And then um, Cindy drops by to start working on repairing King Regis's boat so that you can get to the um, town for your wedding. Um, chapter 7 starts out where you need myth- mithril for repairs. So the gang starts um, heads off to Lake Vesperpool. Um, at this point, Gladio takes off to go on, on his own DLC adventure. Um, the other three head into Imperial Blockades where they meet Dr. Hobo Who again, aka Arden. Um, he kind of helps you through the blockade. At this point, you have no idea what is up with this guy. Um, he takes off, you meet up with Ariana, and you go into the ruins where um, she joins you as a guest, and you uh, find Mithril there. And then at the start of Chapter 8, Cindy's friend Holly comes by, and they both fix the boat together. And the gang has to fix the local power plant to help um, get the boat going again, um, which is also ravaged by demons. Um, Gladio comes back, now has a scar, and will tell you why. Uh, more DLC stuff. And then when you're all said and done, the gang can finally depart for Altissa. And in a really touching cutscene, Sid, um, Grandpa Sid, not Cindy, reminds Noctis that his companions are just more than his bodyguards and that he should always depend on them as they depend on him. It's a really adorable, touching scene that kind of gave me... And then at that point, um, Kor apologizes for being not being able to protect Regis, and Noctis kind of doesn't blame him, um, really f- forgives him for everything. And as they sail off, uh, Talcott calls after them, asking him to come back cause it's soon because Lucius needs a king. Um, whole chapter four feels there. And then in chapter nine, you're in a completely different cult- continent. The party arrives in Altissa, which is a huge city that I got lost in. I don't know if you guys went through the same thing. Oh, yeah. Huge Final Fantasy Venice. Yeah. It's got a lot of canals and bridges and stairs. And, yeah, even writing a guide for that was fun. I can imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you arrive in Altissa. You find out that Lena Freya is there, and she has taken sanctuary there. And you're going to have – she – pretty much calls a huge press conference to awaken the astral Leviathan so that a Noctis can make a power with Leviathan. And then, surprise, Niflheim attacks. Leviathan goes on a huge rampage, floods the entire city. Um, you're doing this whole thing in, like, uh, quick-time events and cutscenes and stuff like that. And then, at some point... Um, Arden mortally wounded Freya, which disrupts the the ritual, but she does succeed in awaking Noctis' powers, which allow him to defeat Leviathan. Uh, while the, all of this is going on, uh, Noctis gets knocked unconscious, where he's uh, visited in the dream by Luna Freya's spirit, who gives him the Ring of the Lushai. And then Noctis finds, wakes up, and Altissa's in chaos, um... The boys come back. You find out that Ignis was blinded during a battle, which is uh, the main focus of his DLC. And then it switches to Earth. It kind of ends on a dark note and then uh, starts up Chapter 10. Um, well, I see we have Sarah on the line. I understand she might have some thoughts about Chapter 9. Yeah, the, the whole thing just was an emotional roller coaster, and it hit me really hard because in one point you have Luna Freya doing Leviathan, trying to, you know, bring it to uh, Noctis, and 
then you have Arden who comes out of nowhere and I'm sitting playing this game and screaming like, no! And she's trying to get rid of his, um, like, virus thing. And, oh, Star Scourge? Yeah, Star Scourge. And he, like, stabs her anyway. And I was just like, can she just please live anyway? Because, you know, they have to get married. They have to at least see each other. But by the time Noctis gets to her, like, it's just too late. I think it's too late. Um, oh, yeah. She, it's... Yeah, it's too late. Um, at least she's able to give him the ring. And But I had to take a whole several weeks off from the game because that whole chapter just hit me just so hard that I just had to just take a break. I'm like, okay, not playing the game anymore for at least two weeks. Yeah, that that chapter was a gut punch, and the one after it wasn't much better. Um, and in chapter ten, it, there's been a bit of a time skip. It's it's several weeks later. the The gang is on a tra- train trying to get to Heim where the crystal is, and Noct is just inconsolable, um, just upset over Luna's death. Feels like it's his fault. Um, doesn't want to use the ring because of it. Um, Gladio gets super mad at him, thinking that Noct is being weak and just being a giant baby over it. And, you know, and I kind of don't blame him for being mad because it's like Luna died to get that ring to him. So not using it would be kind of a dishonor in her memory. And that whole chapter, I'm just like, guys, why are we fighting? No, but baby Gladio, don't be mad. Um, made even worse by the fact that, you know, even though Ignis's wound has healed, he, um, his eyesight is still gone and you have to kind of slow down and escort him throughout the, um, chapter where, or throughout the entire dungeon where you stop to get the king's arm. Oh man, that part of it got me where you had to, had to slowly lead him around. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Yes, it did for me too. Like really do it. Is this how the rest of the game's going to be? I take a break and then I come back and I have to lead blind Ignis around. Like, and not only that, like knocked and um, Gladio are just like taking little swipes at each other the whole time and just fight, fighting like children. Yeah, there's a lot of infighting and it's just not going very well. And then at the end of the chapter, Ignis kind of gives them a speech that's like, look, look, guys, we need to get our shit together and get this done. And that's when Gladio and Not kind of shake hands and kiss and make up, and then they continue on the train. And at that point, they, um, Ignis notices, well, Ignis points out that the um, nights have started to get longer and the demon attacks are getting worse. Um, and then we move on to chapter 11, where the train is attacked by the Empire. And Arden starts comes by and starts taunting Noct on the train. And you're basically going through the train tracing, chasing him. And then Noct, you think Noct just threw um, Arden off the train. But no, Arden used his power of illusion to prompto off the train. That's cue me screaming. Yeah. Yeah. And then that, that, that cues up uh, Prompto's DLC adventure. We'll talk about later. Um at that point, um, chapter two starts. Um, they can't stop the train to go look for Pronto. They have to continue on. The demon attacks are starting to get worse. And at this point, Ariana quit the army and is trying to help civilians. And 
they stop at Tenebrae. They have, um, they all have a conversation and find out that it was the astral packs that were slowly killing Luna. And this is why Ravis was so angry at Nacht. Um, at this point, a blizzard starts rain- raging and the demons stop the train where once again Arden comes to taunt Nacht. And at this point, Gentiana appears, um, freezes Arden solid, and reveals her true identity as the astral god- goddess Shiva. Um, Nock forges a pact with her, and then at this point they learn that Arden is is <clears throat> Arden is immortal and has been using the Star Scourge for his power. Hang on, I need to get a drink. <laughs> okay, now chapter thirteen. Chapter thirteen at this point is kind of the one, the most boring chapter, because your playing is knocked alone and he has stripped all of his powers. And two, it's kind of the lore dump chapter where you kind of find out everything that's going on. Um, the gang enters the, the city of Grayless where the um, Niflheim Empire is. Um, you go through a huge, it, it's being ransacked by demons. Um, you get into Regalia, you kind of have a driving sequence through the demons, and then Noct crashes the car trying to get through them. And it's the saddest I've ever been over losing a vehicle since probably an episode of One Piece. Oh, I yes, puppies! Oh my gosh, so sad. I cried. Yeah, yeah, I, I cried too, especially since the characters kind of acknowledged that you know the Regalia was was a character in this too. Yeah, which, exactly. Uh, which makes it even sadder. Um, so Noct, uh, gets separated and he has to go through the Magitech lab on his own. His powers are sealed and he has to use magic from the Ring of Volusia to get through, but it's very annoying. You have to be stealthy and you, at, you haven't really, well, at this point I hadn't really been music, using magic a whole lot just because it was kind of a pain in the butt to do in this game. So having to depend on it was kind of jarring and... This is the chapter that people complain about because I played it before they even added the additional story stuff. So I, I know lots of people complained about it, but I, you know, at least from a narrative perspective, I think it like very well accomplished its goal. Like you're supposed to be really uncomfortable because you've spent the whole game, you know, bunched up with your, you know, with your pals and mm-hmm. now it's just knocked and you you feel a total difference. I don't know if the battle system necessarily holds up well with one player, but it, you know, like it, it, yeah. you get that feeling. You're like, Oh geez, like I'm naked out here. I don't have a, you know, the other guys with me. Yeah. Am I the one that was used to using magic before, <laughs> before this? Mm. I, um, I kind of use all my magic skills and whatnot. I, I use magic used... all the time just because they would like have those Empire dropships come and bother you every two seconds, and mm-hmm. throwing a blizzard at the ground was the quickest way to deal with them, so you could get back to doing the asinine fetch quests instead of dealing with the tedious combat. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you get through, you um, get in a fight with Demon Ravis, who wants you to kill him because he's been ravaged by demons. Um, you meet back up with the boys and you find Prompto who was locked away where you find out that he was actually born in Niflheim and has a barcode on his wrist and that's what you use to get into the sealed, sealed area. Um, after you get Prompto back and get, get into the sealed area, you pretty much just get overrun with demons and the boys t- tell you to go along to the crystal. And when Noctis reaches the crystal, he gets pulled into it, and that's when Arden appears. And this is when you find out that Arden 
was actually Arden Lucius Calum, the original true king of the Lucii. And that basically, um, he was a healer kind of like Luna, only instead of healing the Scar Star Scourge, he had put he had absorbed it into his body. And because of that he was rendered immortal and that the Astrals rejected the Astrals and the Crystal rejected him. Um, you find out a lot more about this in his DLC, but this is the kind of bare bones of what happens. And part of why I hated him, just because he just, I don't know, he came off like a jerk and wanting revenge on this kid the whole time who had nothing to do with why he got wronged. Yeah, well, he's a bad guy. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, but yeah, Arden, his whole goal for uh, for thousands of years was to seek revenge on the K1 bloodline and the crystal. Um, so he absorbs Noctis into the crystal, and he, he absorbs Noctis into, into the crystal so that he can wait for the true king to appear so that both of them could be destroyed. Um, also a very heart-wrenching scene, particularly because the boys are upset that they can't find Noctis, and um, I think they beat the crap out of Arden as he walks by and he just kind of shrugs it off. Yeah, doesn't he, like, laugh or, or just have the smug look on his face? Yeah, yeah. Because, um, like, you at this point, you want Gladio and the boys to just wreck this guy, and he just it shrugs it off because he's immortal. Um, in the meantime, inside the crystal, Bahamut makes not the true king. Um, and then that's when chapter 14 starts. Noct emerges from the crystal with a very adult beard and less messy hair. And you find out that 10 years have passed. I actually uh, find this Noctis much, Say what? I, I find this Noctis much sexier than the yeah. boy Noctis. And yeah. I approve of his new appearance. Mm-hmm. Well, but he, I'm he also... Oh, go ahead. Oh, he, he, he looks very dignified and very kingly. But, yes, very dignified, very kingly. But I'm also upset with him that it took him ten years to decide. Huh. I didn't. I mean, who knows if he thought that it was a uh, blink because that's kind of what it felt like to me. But um, after yeah. I found out it was ten years, I was like, "Really, Doctus? It really? It took you ten years?" <laughs> and I just wanted to throw something at him. Yeah, but um, world is just gone crap. Um, there's no sun anymore. The demons have gotten awful. They've pretty much wrecked the entire land. And um, Noctis takes a boat from the island where the crystal was to the shore, and that's where he meets up with uh, the kid from earlier whose name is I'm blanking on now. A Talcott? Talcott, yeah. You meet with Talcott, who's now an adult. You find out that pretty much everybody that's still alive has kind of sheltered themselves in Hammerhead, and they've pretty much just been waiting for Noctis these past ten years. Um <clears throat> You meet, you meet up with everyone. Everyone is so happy to see them, and they're so happy to see Noct, and then they decide that they're finally going to end this. So, you all get in a car, you go back. I forgot, does the regalia come back? I thought they were in a You do not get in a car. Yeah, okay. no, you don't get a car. Uh, Talcott drives you back in a truck, but they I think they just walk to. Okay, they walk That's in. That's right, so, yeah, yeah. You, got, you got kind of like a lift. Actually, they don't even make you walk. They just yada yada a camp scene and then yada yada you're in the oh. capital. Okay. Yeah. Um, he yada yada over to the to the capital. There's a lot of yada yada instead of content. Yeah. In this game. Yeah. If if it's not clear from like chapter nine on, things get a little bit wrong. Um, we'll get into that later. <laughs> so 
you you get to insomnia, you have a huge fight with Ifrit, who gets when you beat him, he then gets frozen by Shiva, and then you make a pact with Ifrit, and now you have a pact with all six astrals. Um, and that's interestingly enough also the very the very starting scene of the game, um, bringing things full circle. Um, the rest of the boys get, start fighting demons, and they tell you to go to the throne room and in the throne room um arden is waiting for you the bodies of regis luna nix from king's glaive and the emperor are all hit, hanging from the ceiling which is very unnerving seeing and then you have the final duel with arden it was kind of a pain in the ass fight at least for me mainly because he just he has all the same powers as so you're pretty he's pretty much evenly matched and you're just toe to toe and then when you beat him Arden goes see you on the other side and dies. Um, everybody, everybody's happy to see you again, but then not kind of sends his friends away. You pick a photo from your album to bring with you. And then Noct goes into the throne room, calls upon the past kings. Um, Regis says that he's proud of Noct, and then the past kings end up killing him, allowing him to take a place, take his place among the light. Um, Noct sold the parts, and he's well, wielding the full powers of the light. Um, Arden and the afterlife knocked room knocked and the rest of the guys remove the star scourge allowing Arden to finally die and with that the prophecy is finally fulfilled sun finally rises credits roll and then the very final scene in the game is Noctis and Luna Freya um, sitting on the throne which is labeled Noctis Lucius Calum and I can't read Roman numerals <laughs> sorry um, she's wearing her wedding dress and then Regis pronounces them husband and wife and then the two close their eyes and um, soul crystals come in the air and that's the end of the game and it transitions right back into the uh, the opening uh, title screen yeah, yeah. and yes. show, shows Noct and the logo which I thought was a nice touch yeah the so, Noctis comes back into the logo and I watched my friend play some of this game after she beat it to see some of the games and mini games or whatever the dlc and whatnot mm-hmm. and she told me don't look at the startup screen huh. because the startup screen is a spoiler if you haven't yeah <laughs> yeah um that ending made me cry um Especially, especially since it kind of shows the final camps and Noct is clearly trying to say goodbye to everybody and he just can't. And it's so touching and heart wrenching, especially since at this point, you know, you've kind of been friends with all of these guys and have shared their fun and stuff. And I mean, I thought it was a very touching story. I did as well, but there's also some. I've read some different theories on what the actual end of the game means. Some people think they're all dead and the world is enveloped in light and everything's hunky-dory. Another theory I read was Noctis is dead, but the other three guys are still alive. And the campfire scene was before they went into the capital. I've read other people saying that the campfire scene was kind of like them all, you know, already dead, but in their kind of like purgatory type mm-hmm. place. So I'm interested to hear what you guys think. See, I, I'm i sappy and I was like, uh, the crystal brought everyone back and everyone lived happily ever after because that's how I chose to interpret it because I didn't want everybody to be dead. 
But something tells me that wasn't the case. No, I, de- I definitely think it knocked us as dead. <laughs> I, I definitely oh, yeah, definitely did. And I, and I also really want the three of them to be alive, but I also understand. I could see if they're also dead because we don't really know what was happening to them while mm. Noctis was fighting Arden and no. everything. So. I mean, I kind of appreciate that they left it open to interpretation and that you can kind of take away what you want from it and there's no real true explanation. Um, not everything has to be spelled out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so that was the story, and that was, at least for me, the very bare bones, because I played this as soon as it came out. I didn't even wait for the Chapter 3 update. Um, oh, me neither. I only played one DLC, which was the most inconsequential DLC of which the Which one did you play? Gladio. Oh, I played um, all three of them. Gladio um, was definitely my favorite, though. See, I, th- I mean, I liked Gladio... Claudio's my favorite character, but I thought he had the weakest DLC of the, as far as story went. I think that you could have easily cut his out and been okay. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, but Prompto's Prompto and Ignis—they're probably the, the most interesting ones story-wise because mm-hmm. you want to find out how he got blind, and yeah. you want to find out what happened to Prompto after he got thrown off the train. And so I think story-wise, Prompto's was probably the most surprising and interesting because you learned that Prompto uh, was like grown in a lab. That's a new thing. Do we want to get into the characters now? Totally. Uh, yeah. Just let me know when we get to the criticism bit. Okay. Well, I mean, feel free to sprinkle criticism in any time. <laughs> I didn't want to... I don't want to ruin the floor yeah. flow. Of oh, your, uh, oh, I got a criticism. This game has a complete lack of what can I do for you videos <laughs> in the middle of it. Like just from what I remember seeing YouTube. No, videos. it just has well, stand by me. Uh, so, so it should the char- characters. Oh, yes, talk yeah. about the characters. Um, your main character is Noctis. He is a prince. Um, he, you he's know, he's what? He's a douche. Really? Yes, I quite. I, I thought that. I, I hate those pants he wears. I hate them with a passion. Brat. He's pretty much a spoiled brat. Until, until like, he gets to talking to about his friends and whatnot. But the first half of the game, he's just a spoiled brat. See, I mean, I... more than half. He's he's not decent until he comes out of the crystal, which, oh, again, I instead of character development, it's yada yada, you've been gone a long time, now you're an adult, so act like, okay. <laughs> I, thought, I thought, I, I didn't think he was that bad. Yeah, I didn't either. Um, you know, a lot of people thought that he was just going to be this emo kid, but he really wasn't. He, he, I mean, if he did have moments of emo, it's because he, I mean, quite has the world, the fate of the world on his shoulders. And you know, he was kind of douchey in the beginning, but his dad also died. And then I thought his other douchey moment on the train, um, when he got into the argument with Gladio, um, you know, that that was kind of justified douchiness because his childhood friend and future wife just died um you know grief does weird things and i thought both moments of douchiness were kind of justified and the rest of it was you know him trying to do the right thing and then putting trust in his friends well he was also he was also a pretty bratty because he had this attitude because he had to be the king and save the world and whatnot but he had the attitude of like i don't want to why does it have to be me? I don't want to 
do this. Can it be someone else? I don't know. I guess I just didn't find it to be any more, you know, any, any more so than your average, you know, 17, 18, 19-year-old. <laughs> I mean, I've, I found him considerably less douchey than Squall, who is my oh, final, God, yeah. final fantasy douche ground zero. Um, not so much quite as lighthearted as the Dane. You get you get a billion points for that um, moniker. What calling Squall douchey ground zero? Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, and then you've got Prompto, who is Noctis' best best friend. He's kind of the cheerleader of the whole group. The um, most annoying character. Yes, and he's a giant by far. Yeah, you can't I even drive the, the damn car without this guy whining. It's just oh. like, can we just kick this guy out of the party already? He adds nothing. I thought no. yes, he does. He adds. He adds. He adds would be around taking annoying. photos. It's awesome. He stopped my sure. girlfriend from playing this game. Full stop. She was like, "No, this guy's too annoying. I'm not dealing with." She was, she was just like, "No, I can't. I can't handle this guy." Anymore. I can't put up with him. Him, see, he, him whining about going to see chocobos. Him complaining every time you pass near a rest stop. Just him humming the Final Fantasy Victory tune after. But uh, you, after gotta, the fight. you gotta take the pictures. You see all of his uh, Final Fantasy in jokes was why he was my favorite character. Because I, then. I like his in-jokes. I his did. big character development is just, oh, by the way, I'm really from the Empire. So? <laughs> what, is, suppo- is someone supposed to care all of a sudden? Like, you didn't set up some big racial fight, right, between the two countries. You're not even really meeting Empire people most of the time, because they're all, like, demons in Imperial armor. Like, there's no personality to really hate on the Empire. You never meet the Emperor, um, except for when he's a demon and already functionally dead it's like why why do i care like okay so you just did a russo swerve without any meaning or impact no setup it's just he could have came out and said oh by the way i'm a martian <laughs> all right cool cool so, nice, nice. <laughs> but that must have been super hard for prompto though to realize hey my life has been a lie by the way i'm a I mean, but they could have set that up. They had an entire rest of the game to set that up, to allude to it, to give us a reason why if he was an Imperial, we should care. But they didn't. Not once. Maybe they came up with it for his DLC. I don't, <laughs> it, I that's know. another problem. Like, every, like, we covered the story of Final Fantasy XV, but that's not the story of the video game. That's the story of the overarching media that is Final Fantasy XV. If you just played the game, you got a cutscene explaining Noctis' dad's death. You got a few pamphlets spread across the world uh, covering Star Scourge and the, the gods, the titans, whatever they are. Um, you have, like, I remember playing the game and having no clue why things are happening with these gods. And then I'm able to summon them, or rather they show up when they want to. And even though in storyline they're dead, they're not really because they're with me, but... Who, who who the hell knows what's going on? They don't tell you. Uh, Luna, you're supposed to care, but you see her like three times before she dies. I really wanted more, more backstory with Luna Freya. I um, really and then wanted more of her. Every time, like the word, this is covered more in DLC, that wasn't there at launch. You have no reason for like half the character motivations. And important characters who, by the way, when I say they're important, they appeared in a cutscene earlier and then probably never did anything again. That's still more character development development than most of the other things you saw in the game. So 
That's never flushed out. It's never revisited. You get like uh who who's Luna's brother? What's his name? Ravis. Ravis. You see him once in a cutscene after they steal the crystal. That's the only time you see the Emperor when he's alive, by the way. And he's just cackling, ha ha, I've got the thing. Um and Ravis is sitting there in the background, and you're like, Okay, oh, cool. And then when you storm an Imperial base to get your car back, uh you have a little bit of a scrap with him, but eventually he just leaves. And then the next time you see him, he's dead. And there are some letters strewn about so you can find out kind of like how he died. That's it. That's his entire story, this character. And, you know, if you're playing the game and you see him at the beginning, you're like, oh, okay, that's a bad guy. And stuff is going to happen. And, oh, wait, no, it didn't. Now he's dead and I'm finding, like, a demon version of him. But I mean, you're, you're not wrong about all of this. And I can, I, can under, <laughs> I can understand your frustration. It's just a matter, <laughs> it's just a matter, matter of how much it bothered you. It bothers me tremendously because, uh, like when you you put all this fluff of the combat, it's like nothing in the game has any weight or substance. It's all just like you're playing the Cliff Notes version of a game that is wonderfully detailed in terms of graphics. Oh, goodness Um, gracious. Yes, it is. But yeah, it's a beautiful game. It's so pretty. But it feels like it's just hitting high points and not actually giving you a reason to care about any of it. You are basically reading the Cliff Notes version of Final Fantasy XV by playing the game. With a very nice slideshow in the background. I don't know. I don't, I would disagree with that. I mean, I I played through the entire game when it launched before all the stuff came out, and I didn't feel lost, and I didn't feel like I was missing out on character development. Um, I ultimately felt like it. I ultimately felt like the whole thing was Nox's story, with the other side characters just kind of being there for him, which is why it didn't bother me. But I can understand why it would bother somebody else. And if we have so, to like detail like- credentials here. I played through the game at launch, because we did a guide for it. Right. And uh, it was a fun little story. Uh, the game came out in November, right? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> this is going to be a big game, so we're like, okay, six weeks, we got a guide, it'll be fine. And then the Apple Store tells us that the submission date is, like, the 10th of December. So we've got, like, two weeks to finish this guide, so mm-hmm. at least in a sellable state. So we played through it as fast Ooh. as we could mm-hmm. uh, to, to do everything we could for this game. And then I went back to an earlier save and played through it again at a more leisurely pace, got the platinum, and this was before any of the patches, and I remember, because I was doing a lot of side quests and my friend was doing the storyline, he told me, you are going to hate chapter 3. I'm like, okay, well, I'm kind of hating everything past chapter 3 right now, so I guess uh, it'll be more of the same. I get to chapter 13, and you're just doing this long slog through these corridors, and, like, there's no, there's... Combat means nothing throughout the whole game, and they've done nothing to develop the characters or the story, and they're starting to give you background lore via, like, letters you can pick up. And it's irritating me more and more and more because it's becoming more apparent that nothing is going to come from this game in terms of uh, evolving gameplay or storyline. Wait, what what have... Sorry. What's that? Your combat? What do you mean that hasn't been developed? Because it... Okay, um, so I want to I want to throw a flag on the field because I let this go off the tracks a little bit. I, we we they, we we got to we're focusing on characters at the moment, right? Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. we can, and, and then we can talk about combat. We get to combat and maybe dive more into overall feelings towards the end. As right. The, let me tie a bow on it. Uh, none of the characters are developed, and I really didn't feel anything for any of them. And I kind of just felt like they were trying to tell this deep moving story without doing the work to set it up for me to feel like any of this matter. Like every major moment they try to set up. I 
I didn't care when Luna died because I'd barely seen her. I didn't care about the Shiva reveal because they didn't put any, any work. She appeared like one time to give you a letter. Okay, now you're Shiva, but none of the other uh, meetings with any of the gods meant anything. Like, you see Titan and him and Noctis have some words, and then he's attacking you, and then Imperials are fighting him, and then you can summon him randomly. Like, none of this, none of this really connected for me in any sort of meaningful way. Except Arden. He was a great character, and I actually kind of sympathize with him at the end of the game. Because I'm like, he's healing people, he's absorbing the bad, he's curing this plague, and the crystal went, no, you can't have your birthright. I'd be mad too. So, I guess I'm the outlier, because Arden is the one character I felt bad for at the end of all this. Yeah, this podcast is proving that so much of this game is such blur. See, for for me, for me, I I enjoyed every second of the game. I fell in love with mostly the main four characters because they're kind of your friends throughout the entire game, and I really felt a sense of camaraderie with them while I was playing. And uh, I mean, I can understand why this stuff bothered you. It just it didn't bother me, and, and this game feels seems very polarizing. It either clicked or you hated it. Yeah, I will say some nice things. I feel like I've been. Uh, I don't want to make it seem like I'm just being hostile for hostility's sake. I did like Gladio and Ignis. Um, they were the adults of the group, and I really liked the cooking in that game. And every time I would discover something, and Ignis would go, "I've discovered a new recipe." I love that line. It's yeah, so you would just like find a mushroom on the ground, and he'd be like, "I discovered a new recipe." It was great. I, yeah, I love that read. I don't know why he drew out the recipe. Recipe. <laughs> uh, um, get, getting back to the characters, um, you've got. Oh, go ahead, Josh. Oh no, like like for me, see, I just absolutely adored the the main forecast, and that's kind of what made the game for me. Yeah, for me, um, it's almost like nostalgia because I remembered like traveling around in a car with you know four mm-hmm. other guys and going on road trips and like <laughs> yeah, you've got the annoying character and you've got the kind of the couple of people who are maybe a little bit more responsible and yeah, you know, like all of that stuff just like brought me back to college. I, the, mm-hmm. the game was like uh, a total nostalgia trip for me. So that was a lot of what I just loved about the game. I mean, f- for me. A good a mark of a good game is that when you forget that video game characters are in a video game and you feel like you're actually friends with them. And I've had that feeling before with like the Persona games, and I had that feeling with this game. And that's why like all the story stuff at the end with kind of the emotional stuff just made me ball my eyes. Um, get, getting back into the char- character stuff, we've got Gladio, who is kind of who's the shield of the king. He's kind of a hard ass, but also very, um, how do I want to put it? He's a big dude, but he seems like he has a heart of gold. Um, he, He's he a acts, giant. Yeah, he, he acts like the older brother figure to Noctis and, and obviously isn't afraid to kind of rip him a new one if he thinks Noctis isn't, um, is being a little shithead. <laughs> yeah, he does that to the whole, the whole team. He, he'll rip everyone a new one. Mm-hmm. And, and his, his favorite thing is cup noodle. Yes, that's him. He has a favorite cup of All about them cup noodles. Yeah, so there's even a quest about it where you have to go hunt some monster to add a bit of flair to... Yeah, there's like three different quests, I think. You can you can do all three yeah. flavors. Um, and then, um, fi- finally, there's Ignis, is the pro- prim and proper one of the bunch. Very dignified. I love his British accent. Um, I, I love his cooking. Just how 
prim and proper he is. And I also love the side quest where the black chocobo stole his glasses. I do not remember that. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I know you probably did it for the guide, but p- part of also why I enjoyed the game so much is because um, you get like different side quests with each character where you kind of run around with them and do stuff with them and kind of have very bro moments. Oh, um, the like, camps, the camp quests. Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, the one moment I didn't mind prompto is uh, when he wanted to take a photo with a uh, catablepus in the background. Mm-hmm. And so he's sitting there, like, trying to get you to stand still while this gigantic swamp beast lumbers over towards you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that was a bit of nerves. It's like, okay, how close am I going to let this thing get to me? <laughs> yeah, I think my favorite of the camp quests was where you had to go catch the king of the river with Gladio. Oh. And you finally catch the thing, and the thing is bigger than Gladio when he picks it up. <laughs> uh he just wrangle like jumps in the water and just wrangles this thing and is c- carrying it over and is sh- carrying it over his shoulder. And Noctis is over here like I'll just fish over here with my pole. That's so great. <laughs> and, uh, and Gladios is like I'll just jump in the river and catch a fish. And then th- that's the main characters. You also have Luna Freya the Oracle and their two doggos, uh, Umbra and what's the other dog's name? It's yeah. similar to that, isn't it? Yeah. Umbra. Crap, I forgot the name of the doggos. But I love the doggos. They're Shiba Inus, and they're the best doggos. Yeah, one's black and one's white, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one brings you, after the game is over, one brings you to the past, and then yeah. one brings you back to the future. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Pr- Prina. Umbra and Prina. Oh, right, um, yeah. Um, Umbra is the dark that. one. Yeah. Umbra was the dark one, and Prina was the light one. Um, the, the dog goes with the best, and then um, we, we've got a bunch of side characters in the game, but as Nathan pointed out, they're kind of pointless. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's why they're called oh. side characters. Um, Iris, you've got Iris, Gladio's sister, kind of bright and cheery. Um, That's Sydney, cool. of course. Yeah, yeah, and her insufferable accent. I didn't like her at all. Just, I, I, I felt annoying, and she was overly sexualized. Uh, yeah. so, the character I really hated was Dino with the uh, really thick New York accent. Oh right! Nowhere. Oh yeah! Like, he yeah, was just he a was walking different. parody. Yeah. Like he, you do the first question quest for him in a Golden Key, and he's like, "You capiche?" And I'm like, "Oh, I hate you. every fiber of my being." See, the character, the side character that annoyed me the most is the one that looked like Hurley from Lost. I forgot his name, but... Uh, was it the big fat one that wants you to take photographs of everything? Yeah. 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 yeah I, he I was thought... just, like, disturbingly real-looking in a game that had a bunch of anime characters. Like... Yeah. That <laughs> he got this fat American-looking dude with a neck beard, and it's like, <laughs> what? what is this guy doing here in this game? This Okay, I guess this is a thing now. Yeah, he he was... <laughs> he was creepy. I didn't really like doing a lot of his quests because he just he was just creepy. Yeah. Um. So I guess now we're on to the combat. Um. Oh, I think boy. that I uh, you know, this came out in an era where it seemed like turn-based RPGs were kind of being frowned upon, so they really tried to make it more of an action RPG. Um. I enjoyed the combat. I, it didn't bother me too much, though. I I can see why it would frustrate some people because I would get I would get very annoyed that I'd, I'd start into a combo and knocked would just kind of whiff, 
and the warp striking was very finicky. Oh yeah, it took me a long time to really figure out warp strike and do it correctly because mm-hmm. I would I would miss a lot or not do the right key combo at the right time or it yeah it was hard but after I figured it out I, I was able to do it pretty easily. And, it just took um, me a really long time. And like I said earlier, magic kind of frustrated me because the first time I tried to use it, I ended up blowing up everybody. <laughs> and I think one of the rings you got is a pre-order bonus or is like in a free DLC update, eliminated, um, eliminated the uh, friendly fire from the magic. So once I equipped that, it got a little bit easier. Um, yeah, did you... Um, I forget what it's called. The... The thing that you went in to update your, to get new spells and to get new weapon skills? Yeah, I I did a lot of that. Okay, because I did a lot of that and I concentrated mostly on magic and spells um, on different people. Yeah, I I thought that was. But I I, I always play mages in games, so I was like, magic! Ooh, I like magic! See, I tried to set up Gladio as kind of a tank, and then um, yeah. Ignis as the magic user, and exactly. then no- Noct was for my melee attacks, and then Prompto was just kind of Prompto. Prompto was just DPS. So like, Prompto was there. very Prompto. <laughs> like, okay, you, you go off to the side with your looter. The adults are fighting. Yeah, and he would be like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna take some pictures doing the battle that you find during the campfire scenes." You're like, Prompto, you took a picture of grass. Because he happened to die when he took a picture, and so it's just like, you know. Oh, I loved all the pictures that Bronco would take during during combat. It was so much fun. Yeah, taking a selfie while a cactus getting ready to needle your face in. Do a thousand needles on your face, Um, and then he dies immediately after. Like, good job, Prompto. Way to know what time to bring out your camera. Just a reminder, but every time Prompto took a photo of you getting hit by something was a time he was messing around instead of helping you in combat. Yes! It was like, <laughs> hey, it looks like Noctis is getting beat, getting his ass beat. Let me take out my camera and take a picture of this because he's going to want to see that later. Mm-hmm. Um, like you guys said, it's an ARPG and you have different combos based on, like, basically you only have uh, a normal attack, but you have a variety of different weapons, and pressing different buttons on the D-pad uh, when you attack will kind of shift you into different moves, but aside from, like, very few, I didn't find that all that useful. Uh, you have the ability, like, Noctis is the only person who can innately use magic, and you store, like, you draw magic from campsites, uh, because there's always an elemental deposit around a campsite, and then you can store it in magic jars, and then you can give the jars to other people, and then they can use the magic, but it's all Noctis. He's really the source of it. Um, but he can also use his magic to, like you guys said, Warp Strike, uh, which is very useful, and at the beginning of the game, I was like, this is a really nice starter ability. And you can also uh, Phase, which allows you to dodge attacks. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you time it really well, you can Phase just as an enemy's attacking you, but that's another feature I really never felt was all that necessary. So, at the beginning of the game, I was pretty okay with the combat, and I was hoping that it would kind of, like I said earlier, evolve. But aside from getting armature and uh, some more techniques to use, it never really went anywhere. Like, at the end of the game, you were still phasing through attacks, using warp strikes, and kind of just spamming the square button. And I heard a lot of people say, like, a big criticism at the beginning was that the game was easy enough that you could just press, 
I think square is the attack button to win. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's just silly. That's ridiculous. And then by the time I got to the end of the game and I went through that special puzzle labyrinth where you just have to do a bunch of platforming and got that mask that uh, I think allows you to auto phase even when you're not pressing the button. Yeah, it was kind of just like not hold down square to attack, but I would just be clearing dungeons by not even pressing anything because Noctis was auto dodging. And I just let the controller down and wait for my tech bars to fill. And then, oh, okay, I got a technique. Because enemies were just kind of obnoxious and combat was, like, there's no penalty to anything. If you die, you don't, like, get a game over screen. You just get downed and you can use an item in your back. Um, and there was not really any challenge the entire game for me. So towards the end, I just lost interest, and was allowing the game to play itself and spamming techniques. And that was all I did towards the end there. And it worked! You're you're probably like an expert on all games. No, I'm very mediocre (laughs) as a gamer. I'm very mediocre. That's why I write guides, because I'm I'm, bad enough that I have to learn how to play the game. I'm mediocre, (laughs) and I thought the game was was hard for me. Um, Um, But I I really enjoyed the, the magic and the combat. And the orb striking, you know, yeah, you pretty much do kind of the same moves throughout the game, but it it was harder for me for the first half of the game or so because I was still it was still hard to get the the controls down and get warp strikes down correctly and phasing down at the right time. And so I was learning the whole time I was playing and getting better. And then when I had to fight. What's her face? Athena or whatever in the Ariana, I think. Ariana, yeah. When I had to fight Ariana, that one was super fun because we actually got up in the air and stayed in the air for quite a long time just by doing all the warp warp strikes and bouncing off the things and then bouncing off of her. And it, I thought that was really fun. See, I mean, so so hold on. Let me ask you a question in in regards to you know difficulty and all that other stuff. So I played a lot of Final Fantasy games and my impression of them generally speaking is that they're not too too difficult maybe towards the end there's a little bit of a bump but not nothing but there are these optional bosses that really do test your familiarity with the cat the the different mechanics and how they interact with each other are there is there something like this in this game that would stretch for people who are really Um, good already there's adamantoys but it's not really hard as much as it's a damaged bus uh there there's one hunt, I think, uh, that... Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's... Do uh, you guys remember the Deathclaw enemies in that game? Yeah. The one you fight right after Shiva freezes the train. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yes. that enemy that shoots a variety of lasers in different formations, mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. there's a boss that's just super spongy, and you kind of just have to have learn the laser uh, routines, so you don't... Because he'll, he'll one-hit kill you, pretty much, if he hits mm-hmm. you with a laser. See, and, I- yeah. I did so many side quests this game that by the time it came to like actually doing any sort of like boss fights or anything, I would just cakewalk them. And as I platinumed the game too, and Adamantoys to me was just like sit around and mash the max button for thirty minutes and hope that yeah. your game doesn't crash. Yeah, fifteen <laughs> minutes of grinding on Adamantoys, and like he's so big you couldn't you could target his head for some extra damage. But he had so much health, and the amount of damage you could get by warp striking to his, like, eye was so marginal compared to his overall health. I was like, why am I doing this? I'm just going to sit here and attack a flipper and hold down the button. And 
I can't really die. I mean, he can do damage, but if I go down, I'll just use a potion. So it'll be fine. Yeah, I. to be honest, I think I did try to do a test fight with him to see how, if I could survive. And then that test fight just ended up taking a really, really long time. Yeah. I, I was in no danger of dying because I had so many health potions at that point that any time I just got even remotely past half health, I'd just quaff a potion and be good. Um, now, there are some enemies that are, like, fun to fight, uh, like the Tonberries, oh, uh, especially the Tonberry Knights, which apparently went the Yoda Jedi thing. Yeah, no, totally I love the Tonberries. That. They're my favorite. I'm yeah. Cactors. Yeah, some I like enemies, the you can parry their attacks. Uh, the yeah. Giant Frogs, you can parry their attacks. And I will say that on, I think, my third playthrough, uh, I got a great sword near the beginning of the game, and I just didn't do very many regular attacks. I would let my companions do most of the fighting, and I would just try to circle around the enemy, and if I got behind him, I'd attack for a back attack. Hmm. And that added a tiny level of strategy to the game, which helped break up the monotony, but it wasn't really necessary. I was just trying to do something else, because I found the core gameplay to be kind of flat, so... There are some things you can do, but the game never really forces you to learn all of the uh, gameplay elements, so... Yeah, I kind of agree with that. They pretty much just... You can even do the tutorial optional. Um, You don't even have to do it as part of the gameplay, and once you get started, you can just go on your merry way, and you don't really learn a whole lot more. Um, Kind of a stark contrast from Final Fantasy XIII, where it seemed like there was tutorials up until the end. Uh, The whole main story was a tutorial. Yeah. Your face is a tutorial. (laughs) (laughs) I I like Final Fantasy XIII more in hindsight. Yeah. I I, I like them both for different reasons. Josh, any thoughts? Oh, on on combat? Oh, I I took the Max Storm route of playing on Easy Street. So, I mean, it was kind of like... Actually, yeah, I forgot that this had a difficulty slider. That's what I ended up doing. Oh, yeah. I played on normal, and it was difficult for me. I almost always play games on easy more just because I don't have a lot of time to beat my head against a wall, but... Well, you need need more time to beat your head against the wall. That's the problem. I know. I know. So, so what I'm hearing as far, far as combat goes, though, is that you kind of start off with most of the mechanics skills or whatever and it doesn't get much deeper as you go throughout the day so you do get the armature which is basically like noctis's limit break but that's just like it charges as you can or as you fight and then you can yeah. use it to do a bunch of damage but it doesn't really add that much depth it's just another thing that fills up until you can do the damage mm-hmm. and you also have tech meters for your companions that also fill up and then you can use them to do the damage and that's um, in the base version of the game. That was the only way you control the companions. By the way, yeah, mm. they did patch in uh, the ability to control other companions directly if you bought mm. special abilities to do so. But I didn't find anything they could do more useful than Noctis's warp strike. But that might just be me. Okay. Well, let's uh, uh, let's. What was, what was the thing that you? I'm trying to remember the name of it. What was? What was the? The thing that you went into to increase, to get new skills and get new spells and stuff. It was like a skill tree, but I can't remember the name of it. Yeah. So if you um, built the thing that I liked is that you could fill up your skill tree and throughout the game, so you're not using just the same basic moves all the time. You get new things all the time, as long as you fill up your skill tree. Yeah, you could buy new techniques uh, for your companions. Like, I remember Ignis had a ability that allowed him to, I think it was regroup. 
and it allowed him to heal everybody. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you had a bunch of cool abilities in there. And you also had, in the skill tree, ways to gain uh, more AP, depending on what you were doing, like gaining AP passively for just driving around or AP for catching fish. So, the skill oh, tree yeah. was kind of fun. The thing was awesome, because yeah. my people would die a lot. So, <laughs> I'd be like, big group, big group, big group. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a very spammable one. It's a very spammable one, which is what I enjoyed. And I filled up a lot of magic skill trees on everyone because that's I'm just a magic-type person. Yeah, magic was super overpowered in that game. Like, for all the trash mobs you didn't want to deal with, like, mm-hmm. those stupid wasps, wasps that would knock you down and confuse you. And, like, I'm going to, again, say that I didn't find anything really challenging. So just being able to throw magic at things and kill a bunch of enemies at once was very much appreciated. Mm-hmm. I also enjoyed it. Especially all the Imperial soldiers that dropped on you. It was like, oh, this again. Oh, those are so fun! I would see an Imperial, you know, ship coming, airship coming up, and I would run towards it. I'm like, yay, come here! I want to play! I want to I wanna do my spammy, magical stuff at your faces. I do find it funny that that's essentially the modern solution for random battles, is to just... Have a dropship show up, I don't know. Well, I mean, they, it makes sense because they are trying to kill you. Mm. Yeah. Like, now, what I wanted to know is how they were finding you. Probably because they never got rid of their cell phones. That was probably a bad idea. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one sure of the fun things... around everywhere. There's, like, probably yeah. a ton of airships making, <laughs> you know, travels. And they're like, ah, I spotted them. It's just Prompto, like, oh, I forgot to turn my GPS off. Sorry, guys. It's, it's Prompto. Prompto is... <laughs> There he is. He's, he's riding the pink chocobo. Uh, one of the things that was fun about those dropships is, like, you'd be expecting a group of Imperial soldiers to come out, and then they would just drop, like, a level 99 mech, and you'd be like, oh, okay, no, we're not doing that. Yeah, I need to run. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, I hope you're yeah, I'm it for fun, and then be like, oh, oh, no. Uh, okay. Bad I'm perhaps idea. one of the few people who like random super high-level enemies in my RPGs. Like, people complain about Final Fantasy twelve at the beginning, where there's that dinosaur, and people are like, well, I didn't know to not attack the giant dinosaur. Really? No, I, I, I like it. Put big enemies in the game. Visual language. Show me the ladder, right? There's a giant dinosaur. Let's kill it. Yeah, Vaughn was having trouble with some rats in the sewers, but I got this dinosaur. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. oh, I, I'm always a fan of that. It's okay. A bunny killed me earlier, but I can handle this cactar. It's okay. <laughs> so, uh, granted, this, this, the story was kind of lacking. I, I will give you that. But the game was really pretty. Yes, yeah. it was. I love oh, the story. The story wasn't lacking. I loved it. No, no I meant according to Nathan. I didn't think yeah. it was well, Nathan that's, that's her very smooth segue to the graphics section. Yeah. Yeah. She's, oh, she's it trying to... smoother if someone wouldn't have pointed it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, Smooth move, X-Lax. I didn't like how the like <laughs> summons weren't under your control. Maybe that's just me as an old-time Final Fantasy-er. I want to be able mm-hmm. to use them when I want. But I will say that when they made those gods show up and just smite something, those cutscenes were impressive. Yeah. Beautiful. Amazing. Um, it's, it's, they look like literal gods came out of the sky. And came down and just smashed everything on Earth to bits. Instead of just like, oh, hey, here's my, like an 11, where you just have, hey, here's my Titan. He's just kind of here as a little guy. I mean, I, I thought that the game was gorgeous to look at. And I loved just kind of going up to 
the tamer mobs and just kind of looking at how they moved and their and their textures and stuff. And um, granted, some of the scenery and stuff, like I'd get caught in trees a lot trying to get to higher areas looking for stuff. Oh, um, me too. I would get stuck <laughs> in like a in a corner or something, and I, mm-hmm. I'd be like, I can't get out because I can't jump over this bush. I'm but stuck. The- yeah, that was another one of my complaints about the game is, like, they set up the game to show off this big open world, and once you really got to playing it, you kind of realized that it was just a bunch of corridors with a few open areas that was dressed up to look a lot more open world than it is. How many parts of the game were cordoned off by just literal chain link fences? No, there was quite a bit. I mean, oh. it, it kind of got to the point where I'm like, okay, so I can warp strike, like, up to a mountain when I need to, right? There's a giant titan who's swinging his fist, stalactite, whatever, at me. But I can go hundreds of feet. But oh, there's a fence here, so I could, clearly there's nothing beyond it. So I this is beyond yeah, that kind that, of stuff. Just that that aspect of it, I did find frustrating because doing a lot of the side quests, you know, you, you get as close to the point as you possibly could <laughs> in the car, and then get get off on foot and realize that oh, you can't get to that spot on foot. Um, later on, it they had the off-road regalia, which I didn't even get a chance to play with, if that helped that issue any. Uh, yeah, there was monster truck regalia. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even get that. I, I, I didn't get to play that with that regalia. I just really liked riding my chocobos instead, because I had a pretty purple one for Noctis, so... Yeah, once you got the chocobo, I found that traversing the, um, non-road areas got a whole lot easier. Um, when I got the airship at the end, I was like, oh, I'm going to f- fly around and see what I can find, and then immediately crashed it, and I was like, okay, I guess I'm yeah. going the airship. That was kind of surprising to learn that, like, if you botch a landing with your flying car, that the game would just game over you. It's like, come on, you couldn't automate this. You automated combat. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't. You, you have to learn to fly your car, <laughs> and if you crash your car from the air... You're pretty much, it's pretty much game over because you're all dead. Because you fell from the sky. So, yeah, it's not automated that way. I'm finding that logic incredibly impossible to argue against. That made complete sense to me. So, beautiful game, right? Did it it have, like, good textures? Good. Yes. Like, like from a technical technical standpoint? Part of the graphics. The food that Ignis cooked. Oh my god. Ridiculous. Who did not just have to go and splurge and eat some french fries halfway through that game because it's vanillaware level. Right? Yeah. That made me so hungry time I would play just how gorgeous that food was photographed and how good it looked. Um, I, you know what's funny is that people actually uh, made a fan cookbook yes, I of saw all the that. recipes, which is kind of neat. Um, a lot of those recipes, aside from the cup noodles, are a little more advanced for me. <laughs> yeah, but... you'll you'll notice I said uh, I made French fries. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm only really yeah. good at making cup noodles and spaghetti. Just, just so everyone has nutritional value, full battle mode tomorrow. Here's a plate of French fries that I made over a campfire, and uh, that's it. So uh, there you go. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty amazing the sort of gourmet food that they could carry around with them and cook. 
despite not apparently carrying anything with them while you were playing. I don't know well, where all that camping stuff came from, it, but it came from Coleman. Didn't you didn't you notice like Coleman was on all the branded on all the stuff, part of the advertising <laughs> in the game. Yeah, but where do they carry it? It's in the in regalia. The trunk. In the okay. trunk. It's magic car. <laughs> and um sp- speaking of the regalia, I have to say my favorite feature of the regalia Listening to your own music. Well, listening to Final Fantasy soundtracks. Which is why this game had the best soundtrack in Final Fantasy history, because it had all the soundtracks in Final Fantasy. I would listen to, I would get, find out where Final Fantasy XI, where you could buy Final Fantasy XI, and then I would just listen to Final Fantasy XI music the entire time. See, one of the first things I did as soon as I could is try to go to all the towns and buy all of the um, music CDs just because I was curious which CD was next. And then once I found six and seven, I was in hog heaven. And I always, I did find it particularly whenever I just uh, driving around and Battle on the Big Bridge would start playing. Uh, if you haven't done this yet, get the Final Fantasy VIII soundtrack. Uh, do the open world Final Fantasy VIII Blue Fields and play that when you're just driving around. Oh, it's so good. Like, yeah. that should have just been the overworld song for the game when you're driving. <laughs> and because of that, because of this, I barely remember any music in the game. Though, um, some of the more country sounding songs that would play in the, um, pits, uh, the, um, rest stops were kind of cool. I don't know if anybody else had any particular favorite tracks. Original tracks, I mean. I can't say I found much of the actual music from the game, all that. Like, it it just didn't stick with me. Yeah, it just went bouncing around between so many, uh, you know, so many different Final Fantasy tracks you had to choose from. I just, none of the, none of the original stuff sticks in my mind anymore. It's a weirdly forgettable soundtrack. Well, because it's like open world score instead of like glory music that the other Final Fantasies had, where Mm -hmm. they would set up the set pieces with very, like the Mako Reactor in Final Fantasy VII, there is nothing background about that. Like, it wants you to know that this is an evil, dark, mechanical, soul-sucking corporate structure. Whereas Final Fantasy XV was more like a like a Star Wars movie, where the music was there, but it typically didn't hit you with much weight. Like, it was supposed to embellish all the other stuff instead of mm-hmm. sticking out. So it just didn't stick out. Probably by design. Though it it was amusing how they implemented sound effects into some of the quests because I remember doing the quest where you had to find frogs. And I've got my I've got my stereo system up all the way trying to listen for these damn frogs. Yes. Driving my poor cats insane with all the noise. And eventually I just screw this. I'm just gonna look up where the frogs are on the guy because I can't find the bastards. I did that too because I had I was playing it on a TV downstairs in a friend's house and I had the volume up so loud it's like these little crickets little little rivets. But I mean that 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 and being that it, being said, the ambient um in the wild, especially if you have a surround sound, is just so awesome. Yeah, I mean my friend had a sound bar, so it it sounded great. Um, but I got frustrated not hearing frogs. So I just ended up looking up, I think, the last one, because I looked around for the last for, mm-hmm. let's see, like, five years. Yeah. Yeah, especially trying to find them in all that ground clutter, which, it's like, the graphics are almost too good for this, because I can't see a thing. Um, what else have we not talked about? 
some of the side stuff. The fishing. Oh yeah, the, oh, the fishing. The fishing <laughs> got, was so good. I got that was very my favorite part the of fishing. the game. Yeah, I, I did got really good. enjoy the fishing in the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so much so that you bought the spinoff. Oh god, we'll get to that. <laughs> no, it, it was one of the more enjoyable fishing mini games that I had played. And normally, I don't like fishing mini games because they always seem so. I don't know, like, you got a button mash for a lot of them, and they can be kind of frustrating, but this one was very relaxing. Yeah, this was no Stardew Valley. It was actually fun, but the big fish made you really work for it, which was Mm -hmm. fine, because then when everybody jumped in the water to haul out this 500-pound-looking fish, you're like, yeah! See, I never got that far in the fishing, because I've never been a fan of fishing in Final Fantasy, because I find it extremely boring. So my fishing level in 15 wasn't that high, but I did fish a bit, though I never got any of these five, you know, 500 pound fish where everyone jumps in the water. I just got a lot of tiny fishes that Noctis just looks at all disappointingly, like, really? I worked that hard for this guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I didn't do much of that because I just, I don't know. I didn't really enjoy it. I'd rather just do side quests. Instead, which are a lot more interesting to me. Um, did you do a lot of the chocobo racing? Yes, I did a chocobo ra- racing a lot. I love the chocobo racing. And one of the other mini games that I got really sucked into was betting on monster fights, particularly because I wanted to get that one gas tank that um, was pretty much infinite gas. Oh yeah, the uh, yeah. There's a monster arena in. I can't remember the name of the city. The big town. Yeah. Yeah, and they give you four teams of monsters, and you can pick one, and, like, they tell you their condition and their level, and after a while you kind of learn that certain things are probably going to beat other things, and, yeah, that Mm -hmm. that was fun. Not very, like, active gaming, something you had to focus on, but, you know, if you were working on something else on the side and you wanted to get some money for reasons, then that was something you could do. Yeah, I, ju- I just put on yeah. a podcast, um, I always I save. Have... Sorry, I wish I would have known about that minigame. Maybe it was added after, later, or something. But it sounds like something that I would enjoy doing. Um, oh. But I just mainly did Chocobo Racing and the hunts. Um, did you do any Justice Monsters 5? Ah. Uh. I played way too much of that. Once I, I found out I... at the end there that you can get some like really top-tier gear... See, I didn't yeah. know that. I, I think I only did it, like, just to get the trophy, and that was it. There's a, what's it, a 10,000 gil machine in Altisha at the end there, and you can you can get some really good stuff from it. So I did. You basically couldn't lose that unless you were just inept. So you, <laughs> you could just sit there for an hour to get the points you needed to get, you know, the top score, and... Hmm. Yeah. Toto... Toto Monstro is the name of the monster better game. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, the the thing that I was trying to get was the Magitech generator, which pretty much just eliminates the need for which yeah, it's stupid in hindsight because now that I think about it, once you got got that, you kinda didn't even need to drive around all that much. I think once you had the flying car you basically didn't need fuel anymore. So yeah, that was kind of a thing that you didn't even need to grind for. Mm-hmm. Um I think the only uh, I could be wrong because it's been a while since I played it, but the thing I remember you needing from that Totemostro or whatever is, uh, oh, it was either a, a reel or a rod that they have there. That's one of the yeah. higher end ones. Yeah. Um, 
Did you guys check out your regalia? Not really. Oh, definitely. That was the fun. That was so fun. I I think one of my favorite um, decals that you could get was the sprites of all the characters, and I ended up putting that along the side. And then later on, thinking, no, that looks that almost looks a little too trashy. I want to just go to sleek red and spend the rest of the game in that. Mine was mine was like that deep purple color, and I had chocobo um, little stickers on it. And as a side thing, I actually made a point to get the regalia in Final Fantasy XIV just because I like the juxtaposition of being in this epic fantasy world with a car that looks like a BMW. And yeah, um, game had a lot of, uh, appeared in a lot of other games and had a lot of spinoff. Who did it ever? Um, first off, I find it hilarious that it had a crossover with Assassin's Creed of all things. <laughs> that was so weird that they put, they, they even went to the point of putting chocobos in ancient Egypt. <laughs> because that makes sense. Because why the hell not? Um, yeah, why not? So I think that Square, ever since Final Fantasy VII became huge, has been trying to chase that windmill of having an overarching multimedia experience. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't think that... I didn't think that this one they pulled off as well, because the prequel movie, Kingsglaive, did awful. Um, When it did, it ran in very few, and people that did see it pretty much savaged it. Uh, I really liked it. I thought great movie it, it was okay i i thought it was very jarring hearing uh jesse Pinkman as the main character um j- just because i had been watching breaking bad and that's all i could hear was um aaron or aaron what's his face being jesse so that kind of threw me off and then um crap i'm blanking on his name now he played king regis and he always dies in every movie uh, sean, sean, sean bean, bean. <laughs> yeah sean bean that casting well i know where this is going a little too on point yeah yeah um i don't know, i just i couldn't get into the movie i didn't hate it but i couldn't get into it i think right. a big problem they made with final yeah. fantasy 15 in general aside from allowing namura to do anything with it is i think they try to make it too generic for its own good. Mm. Like they thought they could just make a very generic Final Fantasy and have like have everything plug into it. Because mm-hmm. you've got so many staples, like your character is a prince, and there's an evil empire, and you're you know you're siding with the light against the darkness, and there's, and there's crystals, sin. and every Final Fantasy thing you've seen, a th- not even Final Fantasy, just every JRPG thing you've seen a thousand times to the point where the game refused to like. Tra- or stray off the trail to develop its own identity. Um, they just made it so generic in a lot of ways that yeah, you could possibly have plugged it into a bunch of things if it was better, but it didn't stand out enough to really develop a reputation where a lot of people wanted to keep developing it. So. And, you know, the character development, I, I agree with you on a lot of that character development stuff that I don't think that some of that should have been DLC, and especially the um, prologue anime that went into each character. Um, I thought that that was really important and th- thought that it would have served the story better being in the game. Yeah. yeah. They should have made some playable sections with, like, young Noctis and Luna, because mm-hmm. there's no reason that needed to be very brief, non-interactive cutscenes. Mm-hmm. Um, one comparison I'd like to draw is with The Witcher 3, where 
you go around as Geralt trying to find out Ciri's, like where Siri is. And instead of just telling you, when you find out the information you're looking for, you get a playable sequence as Siri. And so by the time you finally find her midway through the game, you know, you've played as Siri two or three times, like three times. Um, so you have more affinity with the character. It's just not, she's not just some girl from some books you haven't read that Geralt's looking for. She's a character that you have played. So that was that was probably the way to do it. They just, they didn't, so. For any number of reasons. For any number of reasons, and I'm not going to speculate. It's not important. It's just that it didn't happen, so. Oh, I'm on the wiki page. There's spinoffs. There's Brotherhood, which was the anime. Kingsglaive, which was the movie. Monster of the Deep, which is the VR fishing game that Josh played and hated. Oh, God. Oh, I <laughs> You have to tell me about that game sometime. I want yes. to know why it's so bad. Because <laughs> tell, tell I like the now. fishing of Final Fantasy XV, and I have PlayStation VR, so I'm kind of like, why aren't they making babies? Well, um, it's not the fishing from Final Fantasy XV. They made uh, motion fishing. Yeah, um, actually, yeah, because I played it at, at PAX. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote a I wrote an impression on it. Yeah, I, I did the whole thing, and it it. Like, it, the fishing part of it is okay, but you can tell this was just kind of like a, uh, this was kind of like a one-off thing for them. And it, it's kind of, it was strange, because they wanted to set up this whole, this whole extra side story for God knows what reason, instead of just having, like, all I really wanted from it was, like, Noctis to go fishing and then catch stuff and then go back and have Ignis cook it up while you're sitting around the fire with Gladio and Prompto. And mm-hmm. that's not what they did. They have this goofy little side story with a government fisherman going around to the different watering holes on Eos to hunt these beasts that are threatening the fishermen in the country. And you're just like, oh, good God. Yeah, <laughs> but, it was, I didn't really like it. To be honest. Yeah. It was it was kind of hokey. And I, I was like, yeah, this is okay. I'm not going to play it. But... You know, thanks for the demo. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, like, like parts of it, like especially being in VR. I mean, I remember one of the early parts where you're like sitting at the campfire, just talking to Noctis after uh, fishing with him, and like he like gets up to leave and he kind of waves goodbye, and like I, I was like sticking my hand up to wave goodbye to him. Like you have one of those weird cognitive dissonant moments and you're just like, what the hell am I doing? I'm waving to, you know, an imaginary video game character. Like the, the, some every once in a while you get one of those and you're just like, oh, wow, that was kind of cool. And then the rest of the time you're just like, oh, yeah, this is kind of mediocre. Mm-hmm. Um, did anybody but, play a King's Tale, which was the beat-em-up? No. I did! So, f- funny story is that... Um, my husband bought this or bought the special edition PS4 for me for this game for uh, Christmas that year, and the game took like a couple of days to get to my house uh, after it came out, and I was going stir crazy. So I had the DLC code for the beat 'em up and played through that, and nearly broke my wrist playing that because it got hard towards the end, and it was. <laughs> It wasn't a very well-coded beat-em-up because some of the hit, hit detection was way off. Um, and it's told like a bedtime story where King Regis is telling telling Noctis a story. And then every time he dies, it's like, wow, Dad, did you really die? Well, I'm sitting here, aren't I? Um, 
reminded me a lot of Pride, actually, now that I thought it. And that particular beat em up is free so now, so it's not like you have to pay for it or anything. Um, it's an interesting curiosity, and I think the graphics are really cool looking and kind of a nice little nostalgia thing, but you're not missing out anything playing that beat em up. Uh, yeah. And then there was also the mobile spinoffs, because um, the new Empire, which is the strategy game, which I've heard is horrible. Yeah, I played that for a little bit. Like, I tried to, to get more into it, but it just, it was kind of the same. The story wasn't good, and it's just, I don't know. I don't remember a lot of it because I blocked it out of my memory because it was bad. Yeah, I mean, I like to give stuff an impossible, I mean, I like to give stuff a chance, but just looking at the ads for that game, because you couldn't swing a stick on the internet without seeing ads for that stupid thing, it just looks stupid. Um, looked like a, a Clash of Clans imitator or something. Yeah. And oh then, yeah, it was definitely a Clash of Clans with Final Fantasy slapped over it. Yeah, I'll, I'll just stick to... Um, I've been playing Dissidia Opera Omina. I'll just stick to that because that what, one actually what? has Clash a good of Clans story. with Final Fantasy? That sounds like peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> that sounds awesome. It's not. Yeah. It really isn't. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I think King's Knight got re- released as a tie in and then didn't last very long because that's a, it was a remake of a very, very crappy early Square NES game. That I've heard that nobody liked, which is very weird hearing the boys being all enthusiastic over that game. And then you've, you've got all the DLC chapters, which I kind of talked about. Um, they were supposed to have more DLC chapters, and then they ended up canceling all of them, and I don't even remember why. Well, that was also when Tabata left uh, Square Enix as well. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, the only one from that batch we actually got was uh, Episode Arden, which yeah. apparently I need to play because it has a lot of prequel stuff and it kind of makes Arden seem like less of a jerk. Um, Wasn't there also a book about Arden, like maybe just in Japan? I, you know, I'm not 100% sure about that. I've heard that they are releasing a book with um, all the DLC that was planned. That's what I'm um, thinking of. For uh, I think there's going to have Luna, the Dragoon Woman, and Core. Yeah, that sounds DLC. right. Um, and people voted on it, too. And by far, far and wide, the most popular one was uh, Arden to have DLC, which made a lot of sense because he, he was a very popular character. He's kind of this game suffer off, but... I didn't like him. Uh, and then at some point they um, did kind of a stripped down version of this game called Final Fantasy XV Pocket that was released in episodes that was just the bare bone story of the game. And Anna on RPG class cast no. played this and loved it. I, I didn't want to play it because the art style looked awful. <laughs> cool. Is that the one with the chibi, the chibi art? Yeah, yeah. Be, yeah but I also, couldn't, I couldn't get past the art style. I was like, "This is too weird." Like after playing Final Fantasy 15 all the way through, it's like, "This is weird." I don't really like seeing Doctus as a chibi character. <laughs> I can't, I can't get past the art style. Poor Gladio and that art style. Yeah, poor Gladio in the art style, man. He ha- he has a forehead like a drive-in movie theater. He does, <laughs> and his entire eyes are squished. And yeah. No, it's, I couldn't get past art style. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't watch these people. Yeah, 
and then um, Comrades, which I also didn't play, which was the multiplayer mode. Yeah, I didn't play Comrades either, um, but if anyone else has, I heard that it was kind of weird. I played it with three friends, and uh, the character creation was pretty good. The combat was, well, the combat. Problem was, when we played it, the netcode was so bad that we would get to, like, the end of levels and there would just be invisible walls and things would not progress the way they were supposed to. Or people would get dropped or just other things. So it was okay, but it just didn't work. So It's like, if I want to play a multiplayer Final Fantasy game, I'll pop on Fortnite. Yeah, probably a better and then years, I think like what, a year or two later, they released the um, Royal Edition of the game that pretty much had everything that was missing. Yeah. Um, including like an extra island when you um, leave to go to the main city on the ferry. Um, I can't remember what else. They expanded the map for Insomnia. I remember yeah. they added that. <clears throat> Yeah, and um, you could play, you could switch between characters in the um, Royal Edition. Um, I was mostly annoyed about the Royal Edition mm. because I had already paid for the um, season pass for the DLC, and then they still dinged you for the yeah. uh, like fifteen bucks for the Royal Edition, which I thought was kind of scummy of them. They should have just let season pass owners have a free download, but right, because it, it's like a DLC, so just yeah, with the rest of the DLCs that we already got on season pass. Yeah, and I don't even know if uh, if if episode Arden was season pass too. I don't think so. I don't but think, I, yeah, I it was going to be like a second season pass with other stuff that got canceled. I yeah. am vehemently opposed to the idea that you can buy a season pass and not get all the game's content. Yeah, that's horrible, and I'm not going to do that ever again. But I thought, hey, I figured I'm going to play all these DLCs, and then played Gladios thought that his was okay and i was pretty much done with the game at that point um just well, i have a hard time coming back to a game when i finished when i finished it months ago well i highly suggest playing uh prompto's tlc mm-hmm. because his had i feel that his had the most story content that you it's interesting you find out why he's you know a tube baby mm-hmm. and the, and it's fun because you get to ride a uh, type thing. Yeah. Now, has it been... And so I'm like, yeah, this is fun. You get to do little jumps and stuff. So has it... yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut me off. Has anybody played the Royal Edition? No, no. Okay. I'm I'm curious if it inter- if um it intersperses the DLC with the main game or if you have to like back out of a menu and go play that play it separate to get the I'm, full story. Sure you have to go and use menus to select okay. it all to select uh, the season pass. Did I miss the part where we talked about Pocket? Did did I somehow miss that? Yeah, yeah. We I'm just kind of. T- I don't think any of us played it because we were all very turned off by the art style. Yeah, I, I, I bought it, but I haven't. But it's it cute and it's chibi and it's on I my Switch. <laughs> It may as well just be called Final Fantasy XV Funko Pop Edition. Um, <laughs> no, I, mean, I mean, at this point, I feel like it's the only way I'm going to get this game on. 
Right? Uh, it's an abridged... So according to our good friends at Wikipedia, which never gets anything wrong, Pocket Edition plays an, unab- uh, or an abridged... I'm sorry. In a, I'm so used to saying unabridged. In a bridged version of Final Fantasy XV, uh, the game is played from a fixed camera angler, angle and similar to other touchscreen role-playing games, the character can be moved by selecting the location for the character to walk to rather than a D-pad. Additional side quests unique to the game were added, including treasure hunting and fetch quests. The game follows the same plot as the original, though it eliminates the open world uh, in addition to many side quests in favor of a more focused experience. Exploration combat shifted from behind the back to an overhead perspective with a simplified controls more suitable for playing on a touch screen. The game is divided into 10 chapters. The first chapter is available free with the remaining nine being able to be purchased individually. Though I imagine if you're buying the Switch version, you're getting all of it. Yeah, I think yeah. the Switch version is like 30 bucks for the entire package. And it was on, I think it's been on sale. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but apparently, you know, according to some reviewers, it was a, a, a decent, uh, or good way to experience a, a, a the, the, the story of the game without, uh, the time commitment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's a shorter, it's a spite size. So, and, and apparently it, it had over 3 million downloads worldwide. Man. Well, there, there you go. So, t- touch, touch arcade gave it five out of five stars. Game oh Zebos gave it four and a half out of five stars. So go figure. Pocket Gamer gave it oh. out of eight out of ten. For our good friends at oh. Wikipedia. All right, so so let's do let's do. Uh, I like to do towards the end here. Uh, before I mention the price, uh, I like to do a final table. We definitely hear a lot of thoughts and a lot of opinions, but this is your chance to either make a sales pitch, a, a one minute or less sales pitch to the internet audience, or a a, a stay away pitch. So uh, I'm just going to go straight down in order that I see y'all in Discord here, and I'm going to start with Mr. Scarpenter. Oh, man. Final Fantasy XV. What a, what a weird thing. I, I, I don't know that it quite reaches the heights that they were going for, but, man, I, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of enjoyed the game. It, it was fun. I just absolutely love that that central core cast. And that's probably going to be determined whether you like the game or not. It's just like how much you get along with the main four characters. Because if you if you like those four guys and hanging out with them, it, it's like a fun, you know, 30, 40 hour romp. And if you don't really click with those guys, I'm not too sure the story is story or combat is exactly going to carry you along. Alrighty. Uh, Miss, uh, Miss Red Rock. Um, I, I think despite its flaws and some of its shortcomings, that it is a very good game. I think that it had a lot to overcome and, you know, being in development hell and ha- it had a lot of very high expectations. And I think that it met most of those. Um, now that it's quote unquote, you can buy a, the complete version. Um, I would definitely recommend it, but I, I played it like the, month that it came out and i didn't feel like i was missing out on anything so now that it's even better than it was i think that you're going to be in for a much better time and i'm hoping that this isn't the final final fantasy because i still want to see what the squeenix team is capable of doing uh let's see who else do i have here i have mr uh, garvin uh one of the things that can help you parse this game's curious aspects is there's a story that during development, Nomura went out to go see that atrocious uh, Les Mis movie uh, that they made a few years ago with Hugh Jackman and, uh, I can't remember her name, the woman who played 
Catwoman in the most recent Batman movies, and he liked it so much that he came into the office and wanted to abruptly turn Final Fantasy XV into a musical. Um, when you take that into consideration, it shouldn't be hard to see where the development hell came from, and it's amazing we got what we did. I have to credit that to Tabata, as far as I know. It's disjointed. There are a lot of plot threads that never really get finished. Uh, the combat's pretty simplistic, and the open world's not nearly as open as it looks on a map. But the graphics are pretty. There are some positive elements, particularly like the fishing and the cooking, and there are some decent character moments. I think the best thing I can say about the game is it's an easy platinum. And the Royal Edition goes on sale for peanuts these days. So for the amount that you can pay for it, like 50 60 bucks, if I wasn't getting paid to write a guide for it, I would not be selling that. But if you can find it for 5 bucks or maybe 10 bucks on a PlayStation sale, yeah, it's, it's all right. It's fine for that price. You'll get your money's worth out of it, but I wouldn't go in expecting anything more than a fairly disjointed, rushed, generic story. And Noodles and Company. Hello. I thoroughly enjoyed this game. It was probably one of the better Final Fantasy games, in my opinion. I enjoyed the story. You really got to know the characters. And it was one of the first Final Fantasy games that I actually had to take a break from because it was so emotionally devastating to me. Um, I certain points in the game. However, there are, you know, things that do need to be, that are not tied up. Like, there's some storylines that aren't tied up, pretty much what Red Rock was saying. Um, pretty much all of what she had said, but I liked the game a lot, and I would suggest buying it and playing it. I do wish there was more backstory with Luna Freya, because I love her. And I just, that's the, my biggest takeaway from Final Fantasy Fifteen is Give me a DLC for Luna Freya, because I would play the crap out of that. Give me a playable character for Luna Freya. That would be so awesome. Will a book uh, suffice? What was that? Will a book suffice? No. Oh, I'm sorry. I want to play her. She's <sighs> awesome and amazing. No, I agree. She needed to be playable. Yeah. Because so- you, play you can play the other characters DLC, but I, I really want... Elena Freya, playable character. But I would heavily suggest getting the game now, like the Royal Edition, so you get all of it, everything's fixed. You don't have to go through Chapter 3 awfulness that we all went through when it first came out. Um, but So right now, you can get... You can get the Final Fantasy XV Royal Edition for the PlayStation 4 for the low, low price of $19.90. And that includes uh, an all-new expanded dungeon, Insomnia City, Ruins, expanded map, new features such as first-person camera mode, new gear and bosses. Uh, You get a more action-oriented mode of the Armager that gets unlocked once you collect all 13 Royal Arms. Uh, You now get the Royal Vessel. The boat from Final Fantasy XV is now a controllable vehicle. Uh, the same body of water between Cape Cane and Atisia can now be freely explored. Uh, you get all the season pass content, the episodes we were talking about, the multiplayer expansion, and over a dozen pieces of DLC, including different skins and whatnot. 
with the base game, all for 20 bucks. So my question, I think I know how most of you feel, but I'll ask uh, Mr. Garvin, $20 for all of it. Would you do it? No. <laughs> I say 10 Probably uh, is a better price point. I mean, t- $20 is a steal for that. I I don't feel as cheated with that as I do for the better version of Dragon Quest Eleven, which <sighs> I definitely feel like I cheated being an early adopter, but I enjoyed I enjoyed the base game enough that one of these days I'm going to pick up the Royal Edition and play it just to re-experience it in its entirety. Yeah, me too. I really want to replay this game. I don't own a PS4 because I played it at a friend's house and beat the game there. And she owns the PS4 in the game. But $20 is a steal. It's a steal to get all to get the whole game and all the DLCs. It's it's pennies of what it costs, you know, normally. Um do you have a PC that can run the PC version? I I can run Final Fantasy 14 kind of <laughs> on my iMac. My 12 uh, No, no. So, so probably not. <laughs> uh, this is kind of a graphically intensive game. On yeah, PC. no, I have yeah. on fourteen. I have like everything set to low, and I turn off extra <laughs> <of> stuff <laughs> just so I can play it. Oh, maybe we'll get lucky and we'll get an actual port. If that comes on the Switch, I will buy a Switch so I can play that game for twenty bucks. <laughs> I will play it again on the. Oh, I can yeah, guarantee I it will not be twenty bucks on the Switch. No. <laughs> But I'll play it again on the Switch, as long as they're not chibi. If they're chibi, I'm not buying it. I don't even mind chibi art style, but if it would have been the Bravely Default chibi art style and not the what they did, then I wouldn't have minded it. I think that was the most vehement part of this entire podcast, what they did. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thank you all very much. Uh, we're going to... Let you listen to some of that Final Fantasy 15 music. Uh, and when we return, we have the final lap to wrap this up. So hold on tight. Welcome back. This is the final lap where we read your comments, tell you what we're playing, what we're working on on the website, and so much more. Uh, You know, our last podcast, we talked about uh, Fallout 4, uh, episode 212, The Roaches Did Survive, has just gone up. So there really hasn't been enough time uh, as of the time of this recording for people to leave a lot of comments on there. Uh, But if you'd like to leave your comments, try to do so on episode 213 now, because once we get this posted, we always like our comments on the latest episode, even if you're going back to older episodes. Uh, But we'd love to hear what you think. Um, So... Hopefully, we don't get a whole bunch of comments about Fallout 76 or Fallout First or whatever heck it's called. 
<laughs> it was really funny that we recorded that show right when all those announcements were coming out. Uh, that that always works out with backtrack. I know, right? It always brings the news. We just we do good and happens. bad. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we uh, make yeah. good things happen, and sometimes you know, fallout first happens. Yeah, I, I forgot about the Tokyo Mirage Sessions thing because it's been a while, but that was funny. Um, you guys kind of invoking uh, Bethesda badness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but but hey, I, I understand that, uh, what's that game, Outer Worlds? It's kind of like the go-to game now everyone's playing if you're into those types of RPGs. Um, heard that it's really good, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, but anywho, uh, let's talk about what you guys are playing, what you're doing for the website, and everything else. And I'll allow the the lady still on the air to go first, Miss Riley. What you got for us? Well, it's been a while. I just realized that I have not been on since September. It has um, been a hot minute. Yeah, um, I was in Pan for two in September, and that was kind of an interesting experience. Um, I rode a lot of trains, I did a lot of walking, I ate a lot of rice balls, and I, I bought my fair share of video games. Well, and that's what's most important, that you came back with a good stash. Yeah, not on anything I can play right away, unfortunately, because, you know, the language barrier and all that. But I, I mainly picked up stuff more for my collection. Mm-hmm. Um, I managed to pick up... Um, all three scenarios of Shining Force 3 and the premium disc. Yeah, which was something that I never thought in a million years that I would own. Now I just need to work on either getting a Japanese Saturn or uh, modding my current Saturn, which might not go well. Mm. Actually, no, I could probably just get away with the um, E-word on my desktop for the time being, but I'm very excited about that. Yeah, I think that's something uh, that a lot of gamers, uh, RP gamers, take for granted is the fact that uh, most of our systems nowadays are pretty pretty easy to import for. Yeah, that- and what what got to me the most is that for the most part, the um, video games were actually very reasonably priced. Um, I spent the most on the premium disc, but I knew that that was rare. But then, um, like a week later, I found it for like half the price I found it at another store. Mm. And what kills me is you kind of run into that with those shops. It's like, what do you, do you risk not being able to find it or do you grab it right then? Right. And you're very much programmed by the U.S. when like, oh, if I don't grab it now, I'm never going to see it again. Yeah, yeah, it definitely worked out kind of like that. Um, and there's, I mean, stuff is cheap, but also stuff is very expensive, too, because um, there was, like, one glass case in a store called Mandarake that, like, had a not-for-sale section, which included a gold rock cart. And then the for-sale se- section had stuff that was just, like, ridiculously priced, like uh, Turbo Graphics Rondo of Blood. Um, I I can't even remember what they were charging for that. I know it was like at least two two or three hundred bucks, um, allowing for conversion. Uh, a lot, lot of stuff like that. Um, also got to see the Studio Ghibli Museum, which was a lot of fun. And um, everybody says to go to that if you're in Japan, and I definitely concur with that. It, it's an experience. Um, as as for gaming, I, I've played a lot of stuff. Right now, I'm kind of working through Destiny Connect, um, which is that kind of charming Nisa RP, though, truth be told, it should have been more of a visual novel than an RPG, to be Ooh. honest with you. 
Um, what, the, what, the, what I want to know is what you played on the trip overseas. Oh, well, 12-hour flight, I did a lot of stuff. I played um, played through Dragon Quest Builders and finished that. And then while I was in my hotel room, I pulled up um, Final Fantasy VIII and played that for a little bit, the remake. Or not the remake, the remaster. And then while we was over there, um, Link, not Link, but Link's Awakening Remastered came out. And my husband actually bought that at a, like a Japanese version of a Best Buy. And what's what's funny is that it's the Japanese version, but if you put it in an American Switch, then it switches to the American. Oh, cute. So he ended up finishing that game in like, a couple of days because that's all he played in the hotel room and then I was like well if you're done with that can I borrow it for playing uh playing on the way back and he's like sure and got through about half of that in the plane ride before my switch died Mm. and then had to switch to my DS where I did um Picross and Sushi Striker um just trying to kill the time and what was worse was that um, I had picked up a cold at some point in Japan. Uh-oh. So during during that plane ride, I was sick as a dog. And, and it's not fun being sick at 40,000 feet in the air. No, it's not. And, of course, I was uncomfortable, so I couldn't sleep at all. Um, so I ended up just kind of staying there barely conscious and trying to watch movies the entire time um, after my Switch, Switch and 3DS died. Oh, I got through quite a few movies. <laughs> they did. Um, so on those flights, they didn't have like a USB doohickey that you could charge with? Um, they did, but it wasn't powerful enough for my Switch. Ah. And I did have a power brick, which I tried to use, but I was kind of so cramped that I couldn't get into it. And plus, it was dark. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, if I tried to sleep and yeah. yeah. Um, if I got a little bit too much activity, then I ended up having a coughing fit, and mm. I didn't want to uh, disturb my neighbor, and, and ended up coughing on my husband and making him very angry. But it was like, I know you. I'd rather you be angry with me than the person that I've got a stranger that I've got to sit with for the next twelve hours. So of course he caught it too. <laughs> <sighs> uh, I'm. I am so glad to be finally over that cold. I feel like that that has lingered like this entire month. Um, but I, I had a lot of fun. I'm not any hurry, in any hurry to go back anytime soon, mostly because of that god awful plane ride. And I told my husband that um, if we if we go back, we're springing for first class seats because it's it looked like the first class seats on the plane were like little pods that you could sit in. Oh, yeah. Why did uh was was it just that it was really cramped and stuff, or did you run into some nasty turbulence? No, it it was just really cramped, and I was already very uncomfortable. I mean, I was not sick going the way there, and I still felt very cramped and uncomfortable. And then sick on the way back just made it a hundred times worse. Yeah. So there, there's that. Um, that's really all I've been up to. Um, just trying to kind of slowly get the house back together. Um, cause I ended up having to like put all of my breakable things up because we um, kept the cats in my house and just had my mom come and, you know, check on them and stuff. And my cats can tend to get destructive when they're lonely. Aww. And luckily, luckily all they broke was a Lego set, which managed, which, you know, can be put together eventually. Kitties just want to have fun. Yeah. Yes, Thankfully, they do. Legos are mostly indestructible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. Well, the the kitten has kind of moved on from her cute, adorable years to now I'm going to be a little brat years. They which... never grow out of those, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you you know that firsthand. <laughs> they're they're permanent. Well, I, I still love her. I'm I'm just I'm amused by it because she's been kind of a brat today. But that's because I gave her catnip for the first time. So technically, it's my fault. That'll teach you. <laughs> Don't drug up your cat. I thought it would calm her down. Well, little did I know. So what you got for us, Mr. Scarpenter? Oh, goodness, man. I've been busy, too. It's been a long... I, I, think, I, I think I was on the last time Kelly was on. I think it's been September. Oh, oh goodness. Uh, work has been keeping me way too busy. Um, I, I also picked up Link's Awakening and am trying to kind of plod my way through that. That, that is a really... I never played that because I never had a, a Game Boy back in the day. I was, I was a Game Gear kid. Mm-hmm. help but that is a really bizarre game <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's very psychedelic and i mean like I, I get as you go on like it's supposed to be bizarre like there are story reasons for it but it's just really really odd when you start playing it but it is like a it's a really good um consolidation or you know you know a very very well distilled version of a zelda game you know it's simple it's maybe not might could even be a little bit harder. It's pretty easy, but it is, you know, like it just has exactly what you want from a Zelda game without See, a lot of superfluous, you know, extra stuff. See, to me, because of the extra buttons, it almost felt easier because you weren't constantly having to back into the menu and swap stuff out and you could always have your sword equipped. I bet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's easy to forget like oh yeah game the game boy only did have the two buttons yeah so um doing anything like jumping and running uh at the same time was kind of a pain in the butt because you had to equip those items on your character and then you were pretty much defenseless if something decided to came in come and whack at you yeah but in that in that respect it almost kind of reminds me of like the split like there is between like the old ease games where you have the fans of who really love like the earlier games where there wasn't very much story is very much just focused on, you know, the, the dungeons and the action. Basically just, you're going from story in comparison to, some of the more recent ones where there's quite a bit. Although I guess Breath of the Wild in some respects kind of breaks that. But playing games where there's lots and lots of story and it's a little bit less focused on just the action and dungeon crawl. I mean, I I like both personally. Oh, yeah. Both in Yeez and with Zelda. Yeah, I'm in that camp too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and, and well, and bringing up Falcom, that's the other thing. I probably got my game for the rest of the year, right? So, yep, yep, I'm playing Trails, probably like 12 hours in, and I'm still in Chapter 1 and haven't even finished that yet, as as usual, trying, trying, I'm, I'm trying my best not to talk to every NPC, you know, four or five different times, but it's not easy. Do it. Did you buy the Collector's Edition? Of course I did. How is that Mishi plush? Oh, that Mishi plush is so cute. My, my I, cat does not much like it. He keeps knocking it off. I keep trying to stick it up places high, and he's just like, nope, nope, going to knock that off. This is cuter than me. It must die. Pretty much, yeah. 
the, the one thing I think I'd forgotten about with Trails was just how much I dig the uh, battle system. I know everyone, and I mean, it's what I come to it for is like the world building and the story and the characters, but I just really dig the uh, the battle system in Trails. I love how it's got a little bit of little bit of tactical. You know, you've got to care. You got to concern yourself about your your character's positioning, um, and, and the balance of it just really works for me. Where it's like it's challenging. It's got a it's got a really good healthy bit of challenge, but it doesn't necessarily require hours and hours of mindless grinding either on normal difficulty like it, it, they've really dialed that stuff in i just absolutely adore it cool <laughs> it's been a blast man i'm 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 can't wait to see how they they've um in trails third it jumps forward like a year after uh, cold steel 2 and so there's a lot of stuff where they've kind of like they've skipped over a bunch of different events that have happened kind of like at the you know the Trails of Cold Steel 2 kind of ends with the end of the Civil War. And then they jump forward like a year. And then a bunch of stuff happens in that year in between. And they're kind of like slowly filling you in on all the stuff that's happens, you know, kind of like in flashbacks and then the characters talking to one another. So <laughs> I, I imagine that's going to be going on for quite some time. It's been a blast seeing all those old characters. They're, they're already, even just in the first, you know, First few hours, they're filling it in with like tons of characters from uh, both the earlier, uh, both Trails in the Sky and the Crossbell game. So it's kind of interesting to kind of see a lot of those old characters. Yeah, and that's what had me interested the most was finally seeing the uh, Sky characters seeing in there. Tita and Agate are back. Um, oh, and the preview stuff, it was like Estelle and um, Reen. Or not Reen, Joshua. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember if they're in three. I know they're in four. Ah, uh, okay. I know Estelle and Joshua are in four. I can't remember if they're in three or not. But yeah, yeah, they they start bringing those characters back because the I because they weren't in two because they were in the Crossbell games, which ran concurrently with the first two uh, Cold Steel games. So hence they couldn't oh. be in those games. Okay, because they were off doing stuff in Crossbell. <laughs> Interestingly enough, I picked up Crossbell in Japan for five bucks. I saw that. Wow. <laughs> it was in a clearance bin. Oh, I wish they would translate that. Um, there's, I think there's a fan translation for one of them. Yeah, and the fan translation for the other one, for the one the one to play, is almost mm. done. I, actually, yeah, the fan translation is done on the second of the two Crossbell games. So the first one is almost done. So... There will at least be some means of playing those games finally. Well, at least I'm legit now. I I spent money on it, even though it wasn't that much considering. But you're, you're can, covered now to play them. <laughs> I can feel okay. Exactly. I got my copies over there on the shelf, so I can feel good when whenever I whenever it is I get around to playing them. When, whenever the translation falls off the back of a truck. Yeah, yeah. Whenever that happens. <laughs> They don't got to worry about me. If they ever put those games out legit, they know I'll be there buying oh, multiple oh, copies, of probably. Of course. <laughs> I've got multiple copies of all of those games, so I'm, I'm helping keep them in business. <laughs> I think our. I think we. Our, yeah, yeah, yeah. About to say, I haven't even. I haven't had the fortune to play them yet, but I got them all. 
Yeah, you know, I, everyone keeps telling me they're like the new Final Fantasy. They're so good. You got to play them. And I just, I haven't been able to get around to them. There's, and it doesn't help that it seems so intimidating. Like every game is 60 to 80 hours and you're going to want to play them straight in a row because, you know, there's ongoing story and world building and some I'm afraid to stick my toe in the water that I'll get sucked down into this whirlpool that'll drag me down to the bottom of the ocean. Well, they're time sinks, but they kind of don't feel like time sinks because they're very well-paced times, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. We're still talking about uh, Trails of Cold Steel, right? Yes. Correct. Yes. Yeah. I got uh, European versions of the first two because I'm weird about trophies, and uh, I've avoided playing them because I, I know it's just going to be a thing if I start and I don't. I'm just going to want to play all three, and yeah. So they're sitting on my shelf, taking up space, but plan to get to them eventually. I... I I've been looking for as much news as I can get about Trails of Cold Steel 3 because I've heard it was really good. Like, I've not heard anyone say anything bad about it, so... Well, I certainly don't have anything bad to say about it so far. (laughs) That's good to know. I mean, I wasn't surprised by Alex's 5 out of 5. It just... I know that we tend to talk people out of perfect scores, but (laughs) I I just thought it was cool. Yeah, yeah. We tend to reserve the perfect scores for the truly, you know, like stellar and amazing sort of games. And uh, I'm I'm really excited to see where it goes after Alex gave it a five out of five. Mm -hmm. Can only go. uh Oh, wait a minute. No. So do you have anything, Mr. Mayan, that you're playing or want to talk about anything new going on in your gaming life? The only thing, the only the only game I've been playing recently is Mistover. Yeah, Mistover looks like a really uh, cool game. I, I I saw that pop up somewhere on my Steam doodad, and I did. I, I just looked at the screenshots, and I, I love the art style in the game. Huh. Does look okay. like a, does look like a really neat game. Though. I mean, just looking at the graphics, and it looks like it's it says mystical RPG with expeditions for finding the key to survival. Choose your next yeah. step wisely, and keep in mind that every move will change the future. Well, I've seen people I, the, the games people bring up with it is like as uh, Darkest Dungeon and Entry and Odyssey. So I never, I only have a limited experience with Entry and Odyssey, and I never played Darkest Dungeon. So, so I'm only going by hearsay for that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, ba- it's basically it's basically a dungeon crawler type thing. Mm-hmm. Turn-based combat. And me, I haven't had a whole lot of time to do much of anything since our last recording, because um, it was just a week ago. So I don't have a whole lot to contribute. Uh, so we're working, working s- for the man. I've been working. Yeah, all yeah, well, this is true. I have been. Uh, I have been. Uh, I have definitely been working for the man. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, yeah. Worked on some, uh, worked a little bit on some dungeon crawlers. I've been having, I've been struck with dungeon crawler uh, fever, but I'm gonna save some of that for next time. As far as what I've been playing on the PC for the CRPG Club segment, that we'll do on the next show. Um, and just been spending some more time, you know, with my Switch playing Monster Hunter Ultimate as always, with Mr. Michael Apps, and just playing whatever dungeon crawler I could find on there. Which there's not a whole lot of choices as we talked about in a lot podcast. <laughs> When it comes to DRPGs, you've got like <laughs> there. There are some choices. They just tend to be a, a bit voluptuous. Yeah, I think it's the correct term. Yeah, yeah. So, so I might have been playing one of them in the mechanic. So I was waiting for my tires to get changed in my car, 
and so I'm sitting in a shop and I'm sitting there and a cust- and I'm sitting there playing on my switch, but then a customer comes in with a kid and she sits down next to me in the waiting room. So I'm like, I'm having to hold the switch up at an angle. Don't want something to flash on the screen that could get me in trouble with the mother. You just this was the Are problem you- playing Demon Gaze on the Vita. What's that? Are you playing Mary Skelter too? Yeah, yeah, I've been playing okay. some Mary Skelter and that other game. Oh, um, a Mega Labyrinth? Uh, oh, wait, no, that's a roguelike. Yeah, no, not Mega Labyrinth. Oh. Uh, Moreo Chronicle H. Oh, yeah. Oh, back in, now, to be fair, to be fair, I have a disclaimer here. Pause says it's a good game, you know, a decent game, so, okay. Just saying, she told me it was okay to play some. She validated. Are, are you playing it for the articles? I, I, I'm playing it for the gameplay. Okay? okay, it's for the game. Yeah, it's like the I'm a gameplay connoisseur here. Yeah, it has nothing to do with with what you see on the screen. It's just for the gameplay. It certainly isn't for the deep dialogue. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> so, this is what dungeon crawler fans have to do today if they want to play a dungeon. It's you honest, put up with that. I, I feel kind of bad because, like, I know on my Switch, I have really good Etrian Odyssey games I still haven't got to yet. Uh, it has that really cool dungeon drawing mechanic, but I want to play my Switch, dang it. It's the newest toy. And, yeah. and, and it's not, not a lot of dungeon crawlers it, on there, so. It, it's funny that you mentioned that because today they had put all of um, the Etrian Odyssey soundtracks on Spotify. So I, I was in Yuzo Koshiro Bliss for a good chunk of the day. And then it made me realize, oh yeah, they never remade 3. And that makes me a sad kitty because I thought of the original trilogy, 3 was the best one. Really? Yeah. So I'm I'm hoping that they'll figure out something sh- if they do bring it forward. Bitch, maybe play it in um what what's that the vertical mode? Mm-hmm. You gonna get the plastic holder for it? Yeah. Oh, I that would get me to buy a holder most definitely. And, and the funny thing is that in Japan they actually had um, licensed or well I guess kind of sort of licensed um, vertical ones or vertical holders. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so- why don't they bring that here? Why did we got to kickstart that? I went to look that game up, and Nintendo is making me put in my age, so shame on you. <laughs> I put, uh, so I, you know, it's funny you mentioned EO3. Uh, so, so, since I got DRPG fa- fever, and my 3DS is more of my bedtime device, it's just sitting right there next to the bed, uh, I took out Etrian Odyssey 3 at, and I have a couple of DS games there and I got put it right there to, to queue up because yeah, to, to your point, they, they never remade it. So, I mean, all the other EO one, two, you know, were remade on the DS with more quality of life and story and whatever mm-hmm. have you. And then you have, you know, four or five Nexus, which are all three DS. So three is now technically like the oldest game. If you discount mm-hmm. one and two, because they're remade with newer versions and, and hypothetically it would have the less uh, the the lesser quality of life improvements and the such. So I figure if I'm going to yeah. start with a game, I should start with three and not like play um, Nexus and then go back to three. To, to be fair, um, three of the original tri- of the original trilogy is the most accessible of the three. It's just not as accessible compared to the remakes. Right, right. That's what I was figuring. Like if I, I you know, I, I've I've had bad experiences before where I, I played a game later in the series. It went back to the older one, and it wasn't necessarily the fact that I, I had some spoiled plot element that 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 made me sad it was mm-hmm. oh yeah going back to these earlier i'm used to having this i'm used to having that and, and now it feels so i'm an old school gamer but when you go right from a newer game in the series to the older game in the series it, it stings at least for me i, 
I call that Diablo 2. <laughs> Since if you play Diablo 2, trying to play 1 is impossible. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I no, absolutely. So I'm sure I'll have more stories to tell later on. Uh, but in the meantime, I do want to take just a brief moment to remind our listeners that RPGamer.com is your source for news, reviews, and home to the best gaming committee on the net. You want to head over there, check over, uh, check out our articles. We got uh, we got a whole bunch of things by gamers, for gamers, right there on the website, including numerous reviews. We mentioned one of them just earlier, right? Perfect five out of five review. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so those that's uh, you want to go and read out what makes that game so good without any spoilers, you can go check that out there. Uh, but we also have all kinds of articles out, including an article about one of my favorite games of all time, Tiskea 4. We now have the complete edition of that out. I highly, highly recommend Tiskea 4. It is, it is my favorite Tiskea game so far. Uh, and I've played 1 through 4. I just haven't gotten through 5 yet. Um, or D2 really didn't grab me. But uh, man, 4. 4 is so memorable. Can y'all play four? Yeah, I, I like the Thorian thought. Um, and I like that four kind of went back to the charm that mm. the series started with. Unfortunately, D2 is um, glorified DLC. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can agree with that. I mean, at least for my couple of chapters I play, I did put in some good time into it. Uh, but we also have a, we also have reviews of Warsaw, uh, Destiny Connect, Castlevania, Circle of the Moon Retro Review, uh, and uh, Dragon Quest uh, Three. Uh, so go and check that out, uh, and whatever have you. As I mentioned before, you can leave your comments there uh, right on our website underneath the podcast section. Always leave them on the latest show. You can hit us up on Twitter and, and reach out to us that way. I'm Matt JC Servant. Mr. Mike Meeky is at Jew Mason. Or you can always reach out to RP Gamer at RP Gamer as well. You can follow us and keep up with all the latest going ons with one click of the Twitter button. We also have Facebook.com forward slash RP Gamer if you're into that Facebook thing. Uh, Mr. Mr. Mike had to take off a little early, so he's not here to put us to bed. Uh, but, but <laughs> uh, you know, after talking about Final Fantasy uh, 15 for uh, for so long and, and going over what we're playing for the week, the only thing I have left to say is, what can I do for you? Wrong game. <laughs>